January 2017. Triple H on an NXT conference call is asked a question by Mike Johnson of PWInsider.com. I want to ask you about the UK scene because the, you guys signed a number of talents that worked the tournament. Since then, uh, those talents have been pulled from appearing on different UK promotions and European promotions, depending on where that material is going to appear, whether it be on the Flow Sports platform or iPay-Per-View or whatever. Before the tournament took place, there seems to be this uh, understanding that nobody was going to have any sort of uh, restraints on where they could work. And now you've got a bunch of indie promotions, some of which you guys tried to forge relationships with, all scrambling to reshuffle cards. Can you explain why this happened, maybe why there wasn't a grace period, and where the misunderstanding came from? Because you have a lot of people over there freaking out that you guys are about to basically do the 2000, uh, 2017 version of what happened in the 80s where Vince walked in and trounced all the territories. There's a lot of people concerned that you guys are about to start the beginning of the end of the European indie scene. Yeah, so... There's a lot of uh, confusion based on that. A lot of people, a lot of the confusion is based on people's refusal to acknowledge the reality of the situation. We, we, we signed talent as a part of this UK tournament and are looking forward to doing hopefully what will become a weekly show over there. The talent knew going in what the deal was. They knew what the restrictions were and they knew what the restrictions weren't. We're not restricting them from working for anybody as long as it's not distributed, as long as there is no um, distribution outside of the live event. Now, some of these promotions tried to come in after the fact and add uh, a distribution portion or a distribution component to that. Um, talent didn't sign up for that to start with. They just had that added coming off of the success of what we did or whatever they were working on, that's a change. That's a change in how the talent were being dealt with. Talent have an agreement to go to an event, to compete in a live event, not to do other things, and that's changed. Um, you know, so we're, we're, we're not, we're not heavy-handing heavy -handing anybody. We're asking them to approve. We're asking them to work with us to work with the groups that are, and I was very clear about this when I was over there, we want to work with groups that are cultivating talent, not groups that are just coming in and one-offing talent. I will never tell a lie. I will never tell a lie. No. No. is Spotlight on the IndieCorner.com. I'm Beno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. 
I'm going to start things out with an apology this week, guys. I'm sorry it wasn't Jimmy Corkill's patio. I named the podcast last week after the Brookside talk. I'm from Liverpool. Joe, I got it so wrong. Shocking. Uh, mate, I've met... It was Trevor Jordash's patio. A man who I met in Hamley's uh, just after he got buried under the patio. <laughs> didn't Jimmy Corkill... It was like Jimmy Corkill found them, though, didn't he? He was involved, wasn't he? I, I'm... I'm no, grey on the details. Jordash was um, beating up his wife. Mm. Mandy Jordash. Yeah, and then I think Anna Thrill came up from behind with a knife and knifed him in the back while her mum was getting a beat down. Oh. Was he involved in digging up the house, though? I was going to say, is he sounds sullying like the, the of... Corkill's name? They dug it under the... They put it under the patio. Then put they... it under the yeah. patio. Whether or not he... Did he do some of the building work around that? Was it a... Sounds so like the kind of thing he'd do. Builder slash teacher. He did everything. Well, a bit like you. <laughs> How long was he working with, like, Mick well. Johnson and Sinbad for? He was doing, knocking around for them with, like, years. I remember Mick Johnson doing steroids in his garage while lifting weights. <laughs> Jesus the Christ! The first time I ever came across steroids was him. My mum happened to explain what steroids were when Mick was. Uh, <laughs> I remember the first gym I ever joined when I went. I went. It was like a, a David Lloyd in Liverpool. It was like fifty pound a month, which is far too much to pay for a gym. And I remember the the, the main thing I remember at that gym is that Tin Ed used to go there and used to do it all the time. Michael like a, yeah, I'd be like doing 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 the weight stood next to Tinner thinking, yeah, I'm part of the great and good of Liverpool. This is, a, <laughs> this is a proper gym. All the celebrities come here. Uh, to be honest, I thought you were about to say Mick Johnson was there and you saw him inject <laughs> steroids, but I saw Mick Johnson was in um, the Full Monty that's going on in Oxford at the moment. Him and Gary Lucy are the two stars of it. <sighs> Mick Johnson cast him for Denzel from Only Fools and Horses rather than the Full Monty. Um, do you know what? I get Too the bus to work. Fusible scousers. <laughs> right, we, we don't all look alike, Joe. That's just that's, a, that's an ugly rumor. What you said? Oh, don't worry about. It. I can't top that. <laughs> uh, have you been anyway, JP? I've uh, I, I noticed on the Grapple app you've been watching some New Japan Wrestle Kingdom Eight. Is that a was that a recent watch, or are you going back and do it doing your old ratings? I have for little match for some matches. I've if I've been kind of like delving deep into the grapple app it's really weird he's got me on the star ratings because <laughs> it's like a nice reference point mm. sorry this is a complete shameless plug but it's really good fun because and then so i started going through some of the old wrestle kingdoms mm. oh so you didn't WWE, watch it you were just rating it i was rating oh. i was rating some of them and i watched a couple as well i couldn't watch the whole cards again mm. jesus i've never got... seen the whole card wrestle kingdom because eight was about when like my mate gary kept sending me Mm. videos that I should watch and I remember watching the two big matches uh, Naito Okada and uh, Tanahashi Nakamura but I don't think I've actually seen that whole card I don't think I've even I've seen the photos but I've not I haven't seen the uh, what's the three way is it Loki Prince Devitt no, that's and... the one before I think is that, is that, is that, is that, that's yeah. Wrestle Kingdom 7 I think yeah that's oh, right. the 2013 Wrestle Kingdom and then the 2013 14 Wrestle Kingdom is the one that you're talking about there. I, I never know the numbers, if I'm honest. I just read it as the Tokyo Dome. Isn't 14 the one with AJ, or doesn't he comes in that summer, doesn't he, for uh, for the G1? He comes in April of 2014 and mm. takes out Prince Debit, mm. if I remember rightly. Oh, no, he, he comes when Prince Debit leaves yes. and takes out Carter. Yeah. And then he wins the belt in. June or July, doesn't he? Just before the G1, if I remember rightly. Oh, mm. right. Because eight is, eight is just Ibushi Dev at the singles match. That's where I'm getting confused. But yeah, yeah. I think he loses at King of Pro Wrestling. We could all be entirely wrong. This is all off the top of uh, our heads. Can't, he loses, does he lose to Tanahashi? 
AJ. He, he definitely I beats. Think he does. He definitely beats Okada in the because it builds to because that Wrestle Kingdom I think is Tanahashi Okada. Mm. But then Okada beats him for the belt at Dominion the next year. I remember, but he doesn't have a year long reign. I think there's a couple of reigns in between that. Yeah, <sighs> there are because they go back to Okada Tanahashi at the Dome that year. Mm. What are we talking about? <laughs> well, I don't know. Try playing this game with like WWE title reigns. Well, the thing that Try kind of remember keep... it all of them. The thing that keeps it together ago, for me is. Yeah, you would just wouldn't be able to do it, would you? Do you ever, do you ever watch those uh, New Japan? That the is it Showbuckle the the videos that he yes. does where he like tells the stories. Because I'm kind of getting the Devitt and the I think maybe the Naito one because uh, they're, they're two good ones where it goes through and it can plot like the whole story mm. of someone's career over the last couple of years. I know we did one on the I think the Tanahashi Okada rivalry recently. Definitely worthwhile viewing. But yeah, back in the day, I used to with WWE. I could probably name you every world champion from about. What 1988 up until about 1997? I couldn't even yeah. tell you it was yeah the last year or so or anything really um, that's actually happened. Yeah, it all feels so ethereal, isn't it? Whereas with, I mean, especially the IWGP title in re- in the last what sort of 10, 12 years, it's been absolutely credible the whole time, mm. and it isn't being hot shotted around. So. Every one of those. I mean, the fact that we can remember AJ Reigns, which happened, you know, several years ago, and God knows how many amazing matches in between. Yet, you know, his match against Nakamura, which is one of the ones I went back and watched, because mm. I'm, I'm still kind of so quizzical as to how it was. Well, there are many reasons, but how it was so dull <laughs> yeah. at WrestleMania. And then you watch that, and you just think, this is amazing. This should really have. Do you know why I reckon? Should have worked. The fact that Nakamura is on four hundred grand a year and Jinder Mahal is on nine hundred grand a year. <laughs> if he was on double my wage, I'd You're be shitting me. Is that the truth? I, yeah, I'd be phoning it in. <laughs> I think Nakamura's going to phone. Nakamura was phoning it in at the end of his New yeah. Japan run. I don't think. I think he'd be doing it. He's just happy to be out there surfing. That's all he cares about. But yeah, I mean that's their strong Lots numbers. If it's true. I think. I think there's like a good rivalry with Naito mm. that they not really delved deep into I think they could do a card a card of yeah but they had the one match two the, matches the G1 final and the was G1 it? final and the semi-final two years later uh, oh, where yeah. Nakamura chokes him was it Nakamura choke him out yeah and he loses to Tanahashi in the final yeah 2015 I want to say that is oh. no it's two years in a row it's 2014 is a Nakamura at that that dome they go to when, when it when there's a typhoon yeah, yeah, outside yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then the next year they go back to the match at, yeah. in the semi-final and then he faces Tanahashi in the final yeah that's it I think with, with Nakamura you can pick out individual matches like that and talk mm. about him as a great but let's not pretend he wasn't slumming it in on New Japan shows as well and I think if he oh god if he went back I don't he wouldn't be the same guy I don't I think he'd ever go back I think I honestly think this WWE runs like his semi-retirement where he gets to live in America make a bit of money even if it's not that um, not making that Jinder Mahal money but still he's, uh, <laughs> he's probably quite happy isn't he to collect his check uh, I did see rumours about him potentially going back to Japan but it's probably just contract po- posturing isn't it well, they, you know, they, they've got their uh, Toy Town collection of, of WWE figures, haven't they? And <laughs> owning every wrestler around the world, then why not keep him? Mm. That Fox money will pay for it all. There you go. Uh, have you been watching much else, you guys? Did you watch? Did you see that uh, Shikara, strangely, has wound up on Amazon Prime? That that sounds like something right up yeah. with JP. I, I tried to watch it. It's like season 10, it says, and it's 2011. 
And the only thing I really know about 2011 Shikara is it's got that El Generico uh, one two three kid match that I've still never seen. I was tempted, but I got about half a match in and was just like, yeah, it's 2011 Shikara. It's not for me. Yeah, it, it, that's the problem with if you go into those sort of deep dives into, and we did this in Germany on, on Amazon Prime, mm. there's a lot of stuff there that you, you kind of watch yeah, for Ben Owens was saying minutes. that there's all kinds of weird stuff on there. Shikara is the only thing I've seen. But it's kind of a weird that, uh, that oh, it winds up it, on Amazon. It, it gets weirder, mate. It gets a whole lot weirder. Um, there's this one, Dojo Pro, mm. where you can see under the ring. So they do like, in the, um, in the oh, what am I thinking of? Under the ring, they'll do like figure fours around the post while they're actually lying under the ring as well. It's quite a good television product. Women's Extreme Wrestling is on there. Oh, I'm not there we go. That. I've 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 not I've You've not got, got like into that. All gone now. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was just it, I, the bits I saw. It was shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you were surprised. I could have told it. you that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I like um, that on, on Amazon they treat it like it's a real series. So it's like season ten. It's like directed by and it's like Mike Quackenbush's shoot <laughs> name, starring Colt Cabana and Fire Ant. And it's just like <laughs> <laughs> he's gone to WWE, hasn't he, Mike Quackenbush? I, I saw he was backstage at an NXT show. Is that is that legit? I think apparently that is the case. He's going there as a. I don't know if he's. He certainly was at the performance center. So whether or not he's going there as a coach, I imagine it's so much he's got to. If you can't learn, trust he, Mike Quackenbush to defend indie wrestling, what have we got left? He was. He was our last artist. Worry. Oh God, yeah. It's like I don't know. Like Chewie's gone and joined the uh, the dark side or something <laughs> like that. Just like him, really. Wouldn't have expected that. Um, But yeah, I I could see them doing that. Mm. It kind of, oh God, we're going to end up talking about it loads throughout the show. But this idea of, of, you know, how deep does this get? Do you start hoovering up the teachers as well that are out there? (laughs) I I wouldn't put it past them. I was kind of, I mean, it almost PCO got signed to Ring of Honor this week. I mean, if if that's not a sign that the contract situation out there is kind of crazy right now, I mean, PCO is someone you bring in once to pop the territory and then you let him go. I mean, we were off air talking about looking forward to seeing him at PCW now that I think about it. Yeah, if he's tied to Ring of Honor, I wonder if that might happen. Why would you, yeah, signing 50 year old PCO? But then again, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he turned up with a a marked picture with Triple H because they literally are just trying to get everyone, it seems, at the moment. Jonah Rock getting signed as well this week. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Which is, I. Kind More people of to come as well. Rovert said on t- Rovert's Twitter timeline is my second favorite newsletter behind the Observer, and he was saying that there's a. I think he said there's a tag team to come, at least one women wrestler. I can't remember if he said two, and and another another a male star that people are going to be surprised by. I think someone else said that'd be a surprise, but I thought the tag team was JFK. Mm. I thought there was a that that might be the case. Well, that not the- be like an NXT. UK or Germany yeah. or Europe deal or something, but as a kind of like an official signing at the moment, as opposed to sort of the, the heavy links. I could okay. see it. They fit. Vince that... will like them. Good looking couple of lads. Yeah, they'll they'll do all right. Is it a really big? I mean, I think they could. I mean, we're really speculating there mm. if it if it is them, but it just could be anyone they... right now, isn't it? That's the paranoia. Yeah. Like anyone would get snapped. Up. Wouldn't surprise you. Joey Janela just would... will be next. Yeah. Well, not while he's that injured. 
I did see that was the other thing that was I noticed in the news as well that do uh, they be again maybe they're being defensive but they moved our oh, uh, WrestleMania weekend lineups been made a little bit easier because they moved Takeover from being head to head with that Ring of Honor New Japan show that sold out at Madison Square Garden and now they're the night before but the head to head with poor Joey Janela um, that's going to give us a a choice on WrestleMania weekend, isn't it? Oh God! I, I'd, I'd heard about the, the the ramifications of this. I still think Janela's gonna he's, he's gonna do absolutely fine. Well, it's sold out like, anyway, isn't it? I think it's more VOD, yeah. isn't it? More like IP per view buys. I think a lot of eyeballs are going to be on NXT. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's. I think they've moved the they've moved the Hall of Fame back to Saturday. I heard Dave Meltzer speculate maybe it could be something big like. The Rockers said he can come in for one night only, or just a, a weird one, though. Yeah, the kind of promotions of there's so many promotions out there that weekend. If we do do a podcast on it, God help us, what we're going to do. But yeah, it doesn't help when uh, WWE are moving the goalposts. Well, I mean, for Joe, you've already got your, um, you know, you're possibly toying with the idea of maybe going. How the hell would you even manage to, to take in as many shows as that? I can't imagine it. I mean, it's not something I'm pretty much going to go forward and do mm. in terms of what we watched that weekend christ we're gonna have to really plan that mother out mm. because i t- there's too much on and i suppose the thing that's going to end up possibly winning out knowing what i'm like is the really weird and wacky stuff because mm. that's always I always get drawn into that so something like a janela is kind of an absolute obvious one blood sport um or watch um wanna see Rev Pro. Joey Ryan's penis party. Head to head with um, Janela that. That's another weird one. That's also going head yeah. to head with NXT. Mm. You need to plan these shows a little bit better, don't they, these promoters? I think MLW's going up against that as well, actually. Mm. Have, you, have, you, have you guys been watching much MLW? I've got to be honest, I've kind of fell off on trying to keep up to date with that. No, it, it's it, again it's it I don't hear I, I kind of know it's good. I see a lot of the wrestlers who are there anyway, so it doesn't feel kind of unique enough to me. Like there's, there's only really like Tom Lawler mm. who is the kind of true, like almost the closest thing they have to like the MLW guy mm. um, that they have there. A lot of the other, a lot of the other wrestlers use who are, who are all good and it's a good setup and it's, and it's a very good hour of television, mm. but it doesn't, I don't know. To me, it, it's not enough for Hook. There might be something amazing that appears on there. They should try. Well, Tom Lawler's the man. Ring of Honor should be signing. Mm. I like PCO, but Tom Lawler, I think there's real value in. Especially, he's, I can't see him fighting that much unless Bellator come with some sort of big money deal for him, which they've not really shown an interest of in, in no. him so far, have they? He's so, thirty-six. Yeah. Well, it's not sort of Bellator, has it? No, God, no. Like, <laughs> I yeah. think Lawler's got years as a wrestler, yeah. Potentially, and I think he's got a, he's got some real upside. This was something as a commentator as well, possibly in the future. Yeah, they'd potentially, say. potentially. Mm. He's got a personality, that's for sure. Yeah, he's supposed to. I think on their next show, isn't he supposed to be doing a grudge match with uh, Simon Grimm? But he legitimately broke his hand in that last MMA fight, so it's not sure. That's the that's the mm. problem. We're trying to do both at the same time, isn't it? Um, yeah, I just can't believe he was still resting a regular schedule and doing like food reviews of Snickers and Doritos <laughs> in the build up to his last fight. I was like, well, he's not going to win that, is he? He's not taking this one too seriously. <laughs> I think that tells you he's got one foot out the door, doesn't it? But yeah, I mean, I'll take him in wrestling, like we were saying. That show that PCW have got PCO on is uh, Road to Glory mm-hmm. next year. They got Tom Lawler signed. He's it's the same weekend as that uh, as Rev Pro High Stakes. 
I could see Lawler fitting in well there or fitting into to some of the British Indies. He's someone it would be, uh, again, while we're trying to replenish the scene, he'd be an interesting name to bring in for some promotions. Be great on a cockpit show, I mm. tell you. I'd love to see him in that environment. That'd be pretty great to see a man of his stature and his personality at a tiny 200-seater building, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I know Andy Quilden's been a UFC fan in the past, so... Must know he's out there as well. I don't know. I don't know what his price is, but he doesn't seem like he's charging like a really heavy price. But let's see. I'd l- cockpit Lawler. That'd be the dream. He'd also be great for the seminars, wouldn't he? In terms of hopefully coming in and being able to sort of teach real grappling and real wrestling within um, uh, a, a lot of the schools. And how to fit that into a worked wrestling yeah. match, I suppose. Yeah, mm. potentially. Yeah. yeah. I've never been to a seminar, so I can tell. No, I God. <laughs> that that might be the out though, like this next year or so. As again, as the scene kind of MPs empties out, maybe bring in a few of the MLW guys. Maybe we'll see more of the Impact guys touring, mm-hmm. like uh, LAX, who are going to progress on Manchester on Saturday. Although I'm still a little bit nervous about whether they're actually going to be on the show. They got Impact pulled them from the, that Evolve show. I don't know if you you saw all the kickoff, Joe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gabe Sapolsky throwing his Toys R Us prom like only Gabe Sapolsky can. Uh, <laughs> outright saying that... Much. He's not changed much, has he? No, that's it. From from back in the days when he used to ban me on the Ring of Honor message board quite uh, often in the uh, in the mid-2000s. He's still that same guy, isn't he? Um, not happy that Impact... Yeah. He, he, I put in a statement that Impact didn't want LAX to lose to like a WWE... B show. What's the what's the tag team called? The Street Profits. The Street Profits. Yeah, yeah. They're like a low level WWE team. I can kind of understand that. If you're running Impact, you wouldn't want that, would you? You wouldn't want you guys. And, and to be honest, maybe part of me is just enjoying like I don't know somebody kicking Evolve back. Who? Because Gabe's definitely done that over the years, both with his Evolve belt and his Ring of Honor belt, and with all the WWE stuff going on. I kind of enjoy the fact that yeah, we're in this weird year. Of 2018, that uh, the impact are, are the good guys fighting back. Yeah, it's a it's it makes strange bedfellows. Mm. This kind of weird interpromotional war, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I'm yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm quite glad that they're sort of biting back. I, I find it quite funny if Gabe gets pissed off. <laughs> I, I get I get a bit of a giggle out of it. Um, it does. I mean, it's something to to bring back. I think we we're touching on a point of it of it before in terms of the US indie scene and who might be coming out as, as the British scene starts to really empty out. That's one of the things that's really struck me is about how cleared out the US indie scene is at the moment oh, and amount yeah. amount of. I mean, we saw someone this weekend when we talk about our trip to the cockpit, and it was somebody who'd flown over on his own dime to try and work a few shows throughout the UK. We've got to see him twice and is well worth bringing over in Darius Lockhart. Mm. Is, is that how it's, is that how people are going to end up being discovered? He was Almost on the, like um, the, this is wrestling show. Me and Joe talked about on the show that you missed. He was, Oh yeah. That. He seems like someone who, yeah, he just kind of came over and got himself around and just kind of got himself bookings. I, I hadn't heard of his name before I saw him on that show. No, he's got bookings in Rev Pro. He's turned up at shows and helped out and set up the ring and has got matches as a result of it. So it kind of worked out quite nicely for him. He had a yep. match at the Ports with Gildor and he had a match yesterday with Josh Bowden, which was really good fun. Um, yep. So fair play to him. You know, there's always been that weird talk, hasn't there, about flying yourself in somewhere. That's not the way to do it. But I just think that's bollocks. If you want to get somewhere and, you know, I understand if you've got a passion and a drive to succeed. Look at Pete Dunne and Mark Andrews. Kind of changed their careers, didn't they? Mm. So I, I just always think there's an element of arrogance to 
and those those that say that are probably those that have kind of made it to some degree and some level anyway. So, yeah, I don't agree with that. Fair play to the likes of Lockhart for actually taking the chance and doing it. Yeah, that's it. It, it, it is. It's kind of that's what the game is right now. It's it, it's getting your name out there, isn't it? And there are avenues there. There are opportunities. Like I was gonna, you know, link what we were just talking about. I watched the. Uh, the, the, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with Impact at all. I've kind of fell off where I was watching it and kind of thinking like this is probably the most in like a couple of the most indie matches I've seen in months. And I watch a lot of the indies like when you're watching an Impact and the Rascals are on there, um, Zachary Events and I think uh, they were calling him Dez Xavier. Um, they were on there against Matt Seidel's brother Mike Seidel doing like the most indie match I think I've ever seen on a TV show and getting that crazy hot fire flame moonsault over. Uh, I think the gifts of that were, were doing the rounds absolutely everywhere. Um, I think it's kind of interesting, yeah, that you're seeing, I don't know, Impact even, you know, a company like that, like a, a, a feature in these very, very indie kind of matches and indie kind of wrestlers and, and you know, people are, are actually getting the name out there through Impact. I kind of appreciate, again, there that Impact are, are the company that in the past might have been right in the middle of all this contract stuff, but that's actually a place you can go as a, as a freelance person and, uh, and maybe get some work elsewhere. It's interesting because that's always been one of Impact slash TNA's Achilles heels is ignoring the fact that a lot of their audience is made up of hardcore fans. Mm. So then they would go down these WWE routes because they were convinced that that's what would take them to the mainstream. And they just Nigel, alienate the audience. The Nigel McGuinness D-push yeah. when Hulk yeah. came in. They didn't see anything in him. When the, he was getting over as all hell when he was yeah. facing Kurt Angle in that first feud. Yeah, that soured me on TNA you, for a long time. You think of the way that like Joe and Angle mm. was like a genuine must-see match first time around. And, it, and they blew through it so quickly mm. and so one-sidedly. I mean, they, they really squandered their opportunity. I mean, they kind of never got the fact that their audience is effectively re- very hardcore wrestling fans. I think fans. how hot Joe was in that first year in TNA. Yeah. Oh, that was such a great year. Yeah. Um, when they put him over everyone. But every match he was up in was great. He was like rest of the year in what was that, mm. 2006? Yeah. And then you obviously have the triple threat match that, you know, was kind of the highlight of it all as well. You think about that triple threat match, that was the most indie match that I'd maybe seen on a pay per view. Oh, it was a moves match for the Z, wasn't it? It was, it was, yeah. But it was incredible. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. I, I remember absolutely losing my mind over that match. I couldn't believe what I was seeing at that point in time. And, I, you know, I was massively into Ring of Honor and all the rest of it at the time. I watched a lot of indie stuff. And there was just something about that match that stood out. And TNA never seemed to invest in that. It was kind of like, well, that, that's good in the undercard. But, mm. you know, we're not going to have that as, you know, the main event. That's where the likes of Kurt Angle yeah. should be. Mm. And then that's where the likes of, I don't know, Jeff Jarrett yeah. should be as well. And- those kind of guys whereas yeah. i think now you've kind of been left with you've just got the leftovers like that last impact i watched the opening match was lucha brothers and rich swan and um oh and the mac from uh, lucha underground and i was watching it just thinking this is the indiest match i've ever seen they're doing package power drivers on the apron like the finish was that weird wheelbarrow thing that the lucha brothers the pentagon and, F- and fenix do together uh, i think i think Pentagon actually pinned Rich Swan just by I think he landed wrong on the move and just pinned him with his legs 
and i was watching it thinking like i almost appreciate that if a wwe wwe agent watched this match they just have their head in the hands and they, and they, <laughs> and they probably wouldn't sign any of these guys which is which is great for me i'd rather see them on impact absolutely killing it there's a, mm. there's no way i'd rather see like a pentagon less than uh, than in the wwe system so i'm kind of glad that there's a place like that where okay impact isn't doing the numbers it used to maybe the tv show only does like a hundred to two hundred thousand people but that's still a bit of spotlight and still a, a place that people can go. I think, so. I mean, I think this is the general lesson that all of these promotions are going to have to learn is that like the idea that the era of trying to copy what WWE do and use that as the format for a tele, uh, for a product in 2018 going into 2019 mm-hmm. is not the way forward. But what they do is shite and it's never been worse. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like the worst people to and take kind of influences from turn off wwe so, do you know anyone who watches main roster wwe no, i don't i've got to make no. matter who listens to the show will be shouting at his radio right now joe he's uh he's very much still into his role i don't know how but he's still watching Raw and smackdown every week but I, I will confess he's the only person i know who does it well, he's a lovely bloke but his tastes were <laughs> questionable <laughs> oh you're getting a you'll be getting a message now joe he'll uh, be giving you uh, <laughs> giving you an earful if he can find having you to message me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I did put your Twitter, uh, I put a link to your Twitter on our last uh, show notes, so uh, people can go check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, saying that, I mean, I'm putting Impact over as this great alternative, but they had Tommy Dreamer in their main event this week, so it's not all rosy there either. Uh, see, that's it, isn't it? It's the, the kind of this everlasting presence of um, of nostalgia that seems to surround so many of these projects. We mentioned about Pete... Like, I mean, PCO isn't nostalgia to a degree, but it's a kind of what do you call it? A kind of a, 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 it's a, a freak re- show a act. Rebirth. He's, yeah, he's a one-off pop the territory yeah. kind of wrestler. That's that's like I think what if once you see more than one PCO match, I don't think you really want to see him again, do you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it. I, I have to say, and this is working its way back onto the Ring of Honor signings. They also signed Brody King, mm. who. If I had more confidence in the way that Ring of Honor book their big men, it, I would I would have a degree of faith in it. But I don't really have faith in Delirious to do anything. With uh, that's him. the kind of signing they should have been making a long time. Yeah, ago, really. Him, Jeff Cobb, the signings they should have been making two years ago. If anything, mm. the amount of guys that have gone by the wayside, they've mm. not signed. I mean, you know, like I said, I said this on the last show. I think they had Osprey mm. with him, really. You know, mm. there. Got a terrible record the last few years. Think, they really have. I think they're panicking and using that elite money because they're expecting those dudes to go next year, and they're just spending it on whoever they can get at the moment. You know, um, what, what was the what's the ant called? Who was in of all hot sauce? Tracy Williams. People oh yeah, know, just like yeah. That's see, this is. But then the likes of David Starr are out there as well. Mm. I think he'd be. A, I don't know if he wants a contract for mm. one, but he seems like he'd be a good option. Um, if they come to the UK, I think someone like a Haskins would really thrive in Ring of Honor. Mm. I think it would, you know, they give them a little... UK tours, I think, but I don't think it ever went further than that. Yeah, but give him a little bit of a platform to actually do what he's good at and to get away mm. from progress for a bit, which I think he desperately needs to do. There are other guys out there. Someone like a Bodum, I think, would, would get over big time in Ring of Honor if they took a chance on him. But I doubt Delirious has ever heard of him. Well, what, what Ring of Honor have done is basically what Arsene Wenger did in the transfer window <laughs> when Fabregas and Nasri left. And they end up buying Arteta from Everton, Benno. And, mm. um, Andre Santos. Andre Santos, who was... Fucking garbage. Perma Saka. I was. I'm all right with 
yeah, with the BFG. Right, he came in that Good same with him. Window, didn't uh, Korean striker Park, <laughs> absolutely awful. Yeah, it was, and yeah, yeah, just just terrible, terrible sign. Just like just splashing the cash rather than being any kind of long term plan as to kind of who you would bring over that over that time period uh, over that period. Yeah. Um, and like so, they they've got this cash. I don't know how much. It, it doesn't seem that Sinclair value them in any way, shape, or form. And they just—they're just a content creator. They—they they exist. They create content on the cheap forum. I, it often makes me wonder if if all, all elite wrestling kicks off, is it a case where New Japan would look at it? I know that's a company that's obviously it's big on loyalty, but then again, they don't do any work with the NWA anymore. That whether or not they would just look at doing stuff with all elite wrestling because it'll have much more of a buzz to it. And, dep- and obviously, that's a big if, depending on what the television situation is. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's it's kind of got to be. It's like a again. It does seem like an arms race. It's it's going to be 2019. So it's going to be a year of just like constant news like this. Everyone getting snapped. Almost like the the counter effect of WWE doing what they're doing. You're just going to see absolutely everybody getting signed up. And my biggest complaint, not a complaint, but for 2018. You know, we, we were talking about my mate Matty then and watching. He watches Raw, SmackDown. He watches Impact. He watches MLW. He watches absolutely everything. <laughs> If you start adding more products like All Elite, if MLW get a foothold, there's like, I don't even know where, I mean, it kind of ties into what our discussion topic is going to be in a little minute, uh, revisiting last week's news, but I don't know where they're actually going to get the eyeballs from to justify spending the money on all these signings. I, I almost thought if Ring of Honor used the Elite guys, it's almost, I mean, they've got to backfill. But it's almost like Ring of Honor becomes so irrelevant at that point. Like, who are they expecting to, to continue to watch it? Yeah, exactly. And who's going to go to the show still as well? It's it's going to be really, really interesting. I wonder whether the all elite thing. I don't know how it, you know, how this all might play out at the same time. But I wonder if there's almost like a view to maybe purchase Ring of Honor from Sinclair at some point as well. I, I, who knows? Who knows? I don't know how much Ring of Honor are valued at by Sinclair, but that would come possibly with a tape library as well, or. That brings WWE into play there at that yeah, point, if ever that it's comes gonna, up. It's going to be very, very interesting. And then All Elite Wrestling, if, if something's going to happen with this, when are they going to debut? Is it going to debut with All In 2? Are they going to do some in WrestleMania weekends? If they're not, it probably puts the Bucks and Cody off of WrestleMania weekend, which would be a real shame uh, because of how notable they've been in the business the last couple of years. So, yeah, it's all it's all to play for, really, isn't it? It definitely is. And you've got WWE just competing, trying to put as much product as they possibly can out, putting house shows mm-hmm. like that crappy Starcade show that they put up the other day on the network. Again, trying to squeeze out, you know, any any other possible attention wrestling fans might have. It's going to be, if anything, it's going to be an interesting year as we, uh, as we follow through the next year. WWE are going to be the biggest hoarders in the world over the next year, aren't they? Mm. Oh, yeah. It really is going to be like that Chelsea youth system in so many <laughs> ways. Volvo with Vitesse Arnhem. You know, it's just going to be... No, it, it doesn't please me, put it that way. Oh, if they were a person, there would have been a cutting-edge Channel 4 documentary of this, like, billionaire Howard Hughes-type figure just hoarding shit in their house, wouldn't they? They'd be made about them. <laughs> because it, it's just it's just, like not letting go of anything because of partly not letting go because of the fear of what that might, that person might get hot mm. in some way. So they have to hold on to them while also simultaneously signing up everyone else. Definitely. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about before we uh, revisit last week's news? 
Uh, I watched. I had a cracking weekend actually. I had a weekend of boxing and wrestling. <laughs> so uh, Cree Two Friday night, which was awesome. As good uh, as the first one. I really liked the first one. I watched the first one again last week. First one is a a great great film. I mean, like, I never thought there'd be a Rocky film where there'd be Goodison Park. Uh, they'd be running down <laughs> Netherfield Road, which is like a Liverpool area, which is full of prostitutes. It's where the uh, oh, the, amazing. Co- the bit on the little tower on the uh, on the Everton badge. That's where uh, where that comes from. It's on that road there, where uh, where uh, where, they, where they did like a jogging scene, and I was just watching it, thinking they've definitely had to just clear the prostitutes out the way and make it look like it's a really nice place because it is not. But I kind of appreciated <laughs> that about the first Creed. Did the uh, second Creed live up to the uh, the bill? Of- well, perhaps the location scouts were looking to score while they were doing a bit of scouting in Liverpool, maybe, and they thought, this is a nice place, we'll come back here, who knows? <laughs> um, there was a great cut in Creed as well, where it cuts to the press conference in Liverpool, mm-hmm. and there's an establishing shot of that like tower in the centre of Liverpool that used to be on the Brookside opening credits, and I was... Mm-hmm. And it, Brookside came into my head again. It's become the Brookside podcast, this, isn't it? <laughs> it retro. Um, Creed 2, the, it, it's not as good. The character development's still there. But I, I, said, I was making this point the other day to JP. I think like with Creed and the first Rocky film, I think they work so effectively because you've got someone looking to make it and you've got that element of like isolationism. You've got that element of loneliness that you can play off of. Whereas when someone's made it, it's always harder to tell that next story and to create mm. that next chapter. Maybe it doesn't feel quite as organic. So you've got, obviously, all of the Rocky Four stuff that it's kind of playing off of. Mm. So you could argue that it's, you know, that's contrived in a sense. But the Drago stuff still works. I love a bit of Dolph Lundgren, especially old Dolph Lundgren, where he just looked grizzled, like proper chiseled chin, lovely bit of stubble on there as well. Hair swept over. The scenes of him and Stallone, my God, have you seen Rocky IV? <laughs> like the difference <laughs> in the style of acting from 1985 to 2018 and like the, the brooding tension between them in 2018 is far different to the on-the-nose cheese that you saw in 1985 and Rocky IV, that's for sure. Um, also, Avon Barksdale has an expanded role in nice. Creed II which I was well all right with, especially uh, seeing the Wire alternative universe of Michael B. Jordan and Avon Barksdale just uh, sharing scene after scene together in this one. It was like, oh, if only Avon used his Golden Gloves experience to train Wallace up rather than putting him on the game, you know, it would have been a much different story. Um, yeah, so that there's little small pleasures in that for me. Cinema was full of dickheads. Um, lots of kids Snapchatting the Cree titles and snapchatting the um end sequence as well i was like world do we live in now this is weird uh but yeah that was great and then followed up the next day with a bit of wilder fury as well which was awesome uh best wrestling match i saw all week <laughs> <laughs> fury's undertaker spot which I, I said to my brother he's the undertaker i mean there were all these memes and gifs around of people claiming he was the undertaker i was like oh glad i didn't have to see that beforehand but yeah that was a cracking fight as well so yeah kind of divided the weekend quite nicely amongst uh, combat sports let's say <laughs> a nice combat sports themed uh, weekend you got anything to uh, compare it with jp or uh... well i kind of had a slightly similar in the sense that when joe was off at um fight club pro i was here on on the you know by myself so i was here with the kids so i should say on on the saturday and creed was on the uh, itv2 
So I've watched half it with the kids, but I watched the rest of it myself. It's an absolutely brilliant oh, show. A great film. Just to just to kind of second all that. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's so much better than it's any right to be. I found myself emotional by the end and thinking, I want to see. I, d- I don't know what happens in Creed two, but a Creed three with Tony Bellew back in again, so he can have his rematch against uh, pretty Ricky Conlon. And okay. and Bellew's just brilliant. But I like him as a boxing analyst as well. He just seems to. He, you just feel like you're being given a real. It's not what people would say about Dominic Cruz in UFC. You're just being given a real education into oh, what's actually Bellio going on. Oh, anyway. but yeah, I'll definitely take. Yeah, Cruz has lost a lot of credibility. I Cruz think, is a bit boring as well. Yeah. Bellew's not boring. But yeah, absolutely tremendous. Um, got to see the UFC as well. Yeah. Um, there's a few things I haven't got to see yet as well i know of, of time of recording we've, we've none of us have had a chance to see icw how many of us actually watch there's the question i, won't be watching. I can tell you how many people watched it at the weekend 1500 or 2000 are the two numbers that i've heard um, yeah not a particularly good attendance for them live and yeah i'm not hearing a lot of buzz about people uh, wanting to see it. yeah i won't be bothering yeah, you're not gonna no chance. I've got no, t- I've got no yeah. time. I'd rather watch Creed again. My time will be much better spent <laughs> with Michael B. Jordan <laughs> than it will watching Joe Coffey. Give me the best performance of Sly's career, Michael B. Jordan, the best actor in Hollywood, if you ask. The best star actor at the moment. Yeah, wrestling needs a Michael B. Jordan. That's what's missing at the moment. A proper star like him. Um, I won't be watching BT Gun and. DCT and whatever other stupid initial wrestlers they want to throw <laughs> us up in Scotland. What a red lightning is he around doing shite? I, I haven't read any. I don't know what happens. Rado James Storm, like <laughs> Jeff Jarrett involved. Come on, Joe, that's got to be a draw. Uh, if you're JP, it's a draw. <laughs> and you, 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 you Mate, said to Jeff him, Jeff Jarrett is like the anti-draw in my mind. <laughs> you, you called him the greatest NWA champion of all time. I know somewhat sarcastic. Which was the most tug-in-cheek comment I, I think I possibly made that weekend. But uh, I don't know if Jeff picks up on that. He seemed quite happy about that, didn't he? I think he just wanted to get away from all of us. More <laughs> than that photo done. He just didn't he better. He just looked like he wanted to leg it. I, I was in the toilet at the time. You can't blame me. Oh, oh. you missed that. Oh. I'm, not in the, I'm not in the famous selfie. Unfortunately. I will. I was behind him in the queue for a coffee uh, at the media con, but <laughs> I, I almost was going to buy his coffee for him, but he was talking to someone else, and I thought that's, a, that's too weird a thing to do, and he's probably getting it for free anyway. He's Jeff Jarrett, as if he pays for anything. Uh, he was shading the coffee <laughs> that weekend. Like, he was absolutely going to town on that coffee. Oh. I don't know if you noticed that. No, no. Oh, yeah, he had a coffee in his hand every five minutes. He, de- he definitely... Re- I bet you he got well paid for his uh, his ICW appearance as well. He only got announced a week out. Uh, that's just Jeff Jarrett worming his way into things. That's just what he does. I was surprised they booked him, though, because usually I look at their bookings, like Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, The Godfather, some of these other ex-WWE guys, and I think to myself, yeah, Mark Dallas is booking them because he wants to go on the piss with an ex-WWE superstar. They ain't getting that with Jarrett, is he? <laughs> no, that's true. Very true. Unless he gets him back on the source. Oh, Christ. Which, if he's in Glasgow for a weekend, you know what the life expectancy is there, don't you? Wow. I'm sorry, Scotland. Is that offensive? <laughs> Shall right. we move on before we get in more trouble? <laughs> um, um, well, I suppose the uh, that kind of rules out everything we've been watching this, this last week or so. Uh, one thing we did want to do this show to do was kind of to revisit the uh, NXT UK stuff. I mean, we recorded 
last Monday, and while we were recording, news was coming out. It was that day that all the news happened. It was also that day that a progress show happened that we're about to talk about as well. And the Observer came out on Thursday. Dave Meltzer clarified some issues, uh, mentioning specifically that uh, the contracts, uh, that the some of the wrestlers were improved, um, kind of being a little bit vague on the streaming issues that we didn't really get a chance to talk about last week that um, seem to be uh, coming out of this story as well, and also giving some clarification on maybe some of the, the circumstances that, you know, NXT UK guys can apparently only work indies now. There's a paramedic present and all kinds of little details like that i mean as well as that we've kind of had a a while to to mull on it as well uh any kind of follow-up thoughts to our our big discussion last week or has anything come out in the in the last week that's maybe uh shaped you guys uh, opinion it's all very confusing still if you ask me especially after the fight club pro show this weekend you just wonder what's kind of going on it seems like uh every contract has its own individual story and own individual circumstance if anything so i think that's a bit clearer after the after the weekend especially mm. um especially after some of what went down in fight club pro so yeah it, it, i suppose i'm not happy about it but at the same time i went to a great rev pro show yesterday that didn't have any WWE contracted talent on. And I thought to myself, wow, this still works. And this is going to be here next year. Cause I don't think a lot of those guys on that rev pro show yesterday seem to be going away anywhere anytime soon. Mm. So, you know, there's still, there's still hope. We were a bit, uh, a bit downbeat mm. at the end of last week's weren't we? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I still think that we're going to, parts of, parts of British wrestling are going to be all right. I mm. think, um, there are promotions that are going to suffer short term, I think, and there's going to be lots of confusing booking decisions over the next year, especially if, I don't know, they suddenly decide to give Jordan Devlin a new contract because he's fucking awesome mm. and they decide to mm. <laughs> notice that. Um, you know, that could cause things to go a bit awry at whatever point. So I still think it's going to be a confusing year when people are booking NXT UK talent. And I just think based on whatever promotion you are and what your access is, I wonder how worth it is booking those guys to some extent. Like, kind of, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Devil in there because that's kind of a big point I was going to say that we didn't really touch on last last week. It's, for me, a big chunk of that NXT UK roster of people I don't want to see anyway. I mean, are you bothered? That Absolutely. Joseph Connors, Mark and Joe Coffey, Wolfgang, you know, Rhea Ripley even, or, you know, people like that. Even James Drake. Mark Andrews, are you that bothered that you're not going to see them on, on the other indies? Not really. <laughs> no, it, it sounds it's either a case where I'm not a particularly big fan of them or they've, they're overexposed to me. Yeah, and I need no, a break yeah, from that's it. And it's, it's like a combination of the two. So even people like Zach Gibson, mm. who I absolutely love watching, in some ways I kind of need a bit of a break from seeing yeah, him. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, like there's, Morgan there's, Webster, there's, Mark Andrews, same boat. Yeah. I, I kind of, we all saw how every kind of real incarnation of them throughout all the promotions throughout the UK. Can they take half and I wish he was there, to be honest with you, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's a shame. I've shame for him as well, because I, I think he'd do all right there, but he's the guy I'd want to see there more than anyone, to be honest with you, because I just want him to have something fresh. Mm. Mm. So, I mean, I think, I think that's it. it. It's on that side of it, as a as a as a personal bias, the idea of of not seeing them, I'm I'm kind of getting used to, 
And it always been there in the back of my mind anyway for that to be the case. Um, it's still fucking awful. I mean, there's no getting around that. I don't, you know, this is not, this is not a positive situation. That's the thing that, that I kind of feel out of this more than anything else. I, I'm struggling to see as fans what the positive is necessarily for us. I've, I've yet to see. I, I really don't. I, I'm not convinced by I mean, there's been a lot of think pieces about it and a lot of talk on it and a lot of assumptions that there's this next level that's just going to jump up mm. into the mix and take over. And I'm thinking either some of them are ready, some aren't going to be ready. Mm. And there's going to be a lot of gaps and there's going to be a lot of missteps along the way. And all of this kind of doesn't really need to happen with the exception of WWE, what they want, they get. I've seen a lot of um, on that progress fan group, which is always uh, <laughs> oh, no, fascinating. Really. Oh. Uh, I've seen a lot of like, no. Are you Jim still allowed will... on there? Or? No, I got banned last week. Uh, <laughs> posting this podcast several times. Oh, I don't no. understand what was wrong about posting this podcast mm. and educating and informing people on the Brit, the British independent wrestling yeah. scene is, I don't know what's wrong with that, but apparently we're censored by progress because even though we gave them a great review in the show last week and spoke really highly about the Manchester show, we might have said a couple of things they didn't like at the same time. And oh, negativity being a dick. Whereas they've kind of lied to their fans in many ways for the longest time or haven't really told proper truths. Jim Smallman's excuse about um, we're not running WrestleMania weekend. It's just not cost effective. Can't afford the hotels. Bollocks. I NXT UK. Happening all the time, yeah. all the time wasn't it? Yeah. But I was seeing stuff like Jim wouldn't do that to us. Jim wouldn't do that. It's like Jim's not your mate. Jim and Glenn are the Cameron and Osborne of <laughs> wrestling. They are we're going to cut your public services. We're going to cut your British wrestling. We're going to do it with smiles. We're a lovely couple of blokes, and we're performers at the end of the day, and we know how to do this, and we're going to put a smile and pretend we're your mates. They're, they are pure Cameron and Osborne. Big society bullshit at the end of the day. Like, they're so unbelievably transparent. Yeah, Smallman's a nice bloke, but at the same time, he's spoken a lot of shit, and I hate using terms like sellout. It's just kind of ridiculous. But people threw at that the same time, on Walter, and that, that kind of maybe feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't love using that term at all, and I think it's a bit of an overstatement. But at the same time, I think a lot of people have got to remember that Jim Smallman is not your mate. He is a wrestling promoter who has probably got a good deal from WWE, and in many ways, I'm having a go at him, but I don't blame him. But he's protecting a gimmick by being nice to you and by being nice at shows and being good old Jim. Cameron Osborne, purely through and through. It's absolutely down pat. Um, yeah. Sorry, I've gone off on a bit of a rant there. <laughs> no, that's right. Obviously. Um, <laughs> that's what we do, Joe. Um, yeah, okay. But yeah, I was, I was finding it hilarious just seeing these streams of comments from these people who must be absolutely blind to the situation that's going on there and just be absolutely in denial. I was reading it thinking, well, Brexit, that happened, didn't it? Wonder why. <laughs> well, it's kind of, it, it ties to like, point. I was listening to, I mean, we're going to get accused of being on the uh, on the RevPro payroll again, but I listened to Andy Quilton's podcast and he was kind of saying, well, you're seeing a lot of, Maybe not Smallman, but Progress people. Travis Banks even tweeted directly at me. Uh, other wrestlers tweeting, well, you don't know the full story. And it's like, well, 
No one's telling you the full story. If progress were being honest with people and saying, this is the situation, this is, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is the job that we have with WWE, this is what's happening with progress shows going forward, we can or we can't use these guys on our VOD and clarifying things, that might be one thing, but instead they're just saying, oh, well, you don't know the real story and not telling anybody the real story. I understand, you know, there's probably a progress going on the WWE Network, which is something we didn't touch on on our last show, then that's, you know, maybe they can't say that. I think I saw Dave Meltzer in The Observer allude to that. If they can't say that, then they can't really explain themselves. But at the same time as well, yeah, I didn't see in all the reaction that you've seen, Joe. That was another thing I saw a lot of people saying, oh, well, you jump into conclusions. And it's like, well, all we can really do is look at the evidence that's in front of us. Well, look yeah. at history like both of you guys said last week and kind of make an assessment based on that. Oh, so, I mean, that's that's kind of the, the word wanting it's, it, i kept on thinking of the scorpion and the frog except do you know the the yeah the, yeah the story of the scorpion and the frog and he, except this time the scorpion can actually float and just kind of <laughs> wants to kill the fucking frog because it can do yeah like it, with this it, it's expecting wwe to somehow change their dna and it's not going to happen and this is the way they operate they come in with the smiles on their faces and then they just take over and they do it in a merciless way there's a lot of stuff about the contracts. I'm fascinated to see what's mm. going to come out about these because it's it's a difficult one because you, you kind of would hear about a lumps, you know, the idea of don't you want these guys to be making this money? It's like I'm not even convinced at times that WWE would give them enough work to be able to make too much money. That's the thing about it. I don't have faith in WWE as, a, as not saying not in terms of paying bill paying bills but a lot of their the way they work out their salary and the rest of it it's odd it's, and know, it's not transparent the thing is as well like andy quilden told me point blank when i interviewed him and it was the first time really that it had been publicly said even though we had our suspicions mm-hmm. that wwe spoke to him and essentially offered a long-term buying him out right so that was out there and it didn't really get a lot of traction. It got traction in sort of a small bubble, I suppose. But that is out there to hear publicly. They probably gave Progress the same deal. The deal is kind of, uh, well, we fuck you or we fuck you. We fuck you and make your life, you know, kind of comfortable with a nice wage. But at the same time, you're going to lose all credibility, which is what the Progress guys, has happened to the Progress guys, really. You know, they're getting really fucked up the ass by WWE every day, but they're getting a nice little wage for it at the same time. They're the, in a tough position. Yeah. I will say that. They are in a tough position. And they also can't talk about it. Exactly. And that's WWE's embargo. So I sort of I sort of get it. The emotional response from me is, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to have a go. But at the same time, when I try and rationalize it, I get that at the same time, they've probably been put in a position where they really can't say anything even though we've known about this forever. You know, all those pictures that leaked to them backstage at NXT, for example, that mm. was all along, what did we say, NXT territory in the UK, they're training them how they do things the WWE way to get them ready. I went to the NXT tapings last year in Orlando. I saw Glenn walking around. I'm sure it was Glenn I saw walking around there. I'm sure I saw the back of his head there. You know, it, this was happening all along. We all knew it. Um but yeah, let's take our heads out of the sand now, yeah. and let's just be upfront about it. Yeah, because I mean, Gabe and Evolver are in the same position as well. 
they're all being, I mean, again, the Observer this week outright said, as well as saying what you said then, that WWE have got the option to buy Progress. I think I saw Meltzer say that about ICW before. I can't remember if he outright said that about Progress until now. Um, that was in there. And then, yeah, just also the fact that, you know, the, the Progress owners are being groomed for, for roles in WWE. Do you think it's likely that that could happen? That WWE will, in fact, just shut down Progress? And if that's the if that's really in the wording... Like, for all the talk about how much the, the guys love progress and, you know, how loyal our fan base is, you think something like that would make even the most hardcore fans maybe question what they're, they're being so loyal to? Well, one of the things I find really interesting about this is if you look at WWE's history when it comes to buying up companies, they're not necessarily a company that love buying up companies at a good like at a high price so you look at how much they bought wcw for in the end after bischoff couldn't put that deal together and all the rest of it couldn't find the tv deal tbs cancelling so they didn't want it anymore they got it at a cut price ecw i'm pretty sure have been liquidated and they just yeah. basically bought the ecw assets and the tape library let's go back to the 80s right let's look at um stampede wrestling right vince bought stampede out for a million and had to give jobs to Brett, Davey, Dynamite, and uh, Jim the Anvil Nidart, right? Stu Hart never received his full million pound, a mm. uh, million dollars. He never mm. got the full payment for it. So, you know, there's a bit of, you know, there's a history of being a bit dickish when it comes to paying market value for those promotions. So it makes me wonder if they kind of want progress to kind of really fall into the ground and fall off a little bit right and there are little signs like moving dates for ballroom shows oh we'll move those we're not going to move those nxt uk shows must move the ballroom shows and whether that sort of thing is gonna long term start having more of an effect and make more people go away from the product so then does the product decrease in value like i'm being very speculative here obviously and this is probably a long way off for those ballroom attendances to really start falling you know i think they did sell out in the end on monday mm. but it was a last minute sellout and all the rest of it but i do wonder whether they're just going to let progress keep going they're going to gradually chip away. Let's take away those WWE UK guys, okay? We're not going to give them any of the talent that we've given them, um, like, say, a Cassius Ono or someone for the shows or a Matt Riddle. And then we're going to have guys like, say, Chuck Mambo, Pastor William Eva, and Drew Parker be main eventers there. Now, do they have the stature and the kind of personality to get over at the level of some of the guys that have gone from progress i'm not sure they do and i think the pro promotion could fall and then they could be at a point where they fall in value wise and wwe then come in and buy them at a cheaper rate that's potentially something i could see happening i know that that's possibly a long way off and i'm being very speculative but you know, yeah. it could be talking really a couple of years yeah, it, get, would it would get to a point like that. Potentially. And I know that progress aren't exactly going to be, you know, really expensive anyway. And they weren't the size of, say, a WCW. Mm. But at the same time, I think WWE do resent actually buying promotions. I think what they want is they want to buy the assets of a promotion mm. once they've liquidated. I was going to say it's always been about the is it's always been the tape library. Mm. That yeah. seems to be the, I think they've the, got the, that already, haven't they? Isn't that part of the deal got... that's been speculated that they have that um to go yeah. on the network. It, basically the way it was explained to me is you they could literally it's on the it's on the server already. Someone just needs to make it available on the network. Wow. Yeah that's bloody hell. Um it's it's 
That's with the way it's going, it. though, isn't it? That, that's, that's literally... That's got to be what they want. I mean, tied to what you were yeah. just saying there, like, uh, you know, are these guys actually going to leave Progress? I, I'm not so sure. I, I kind of split on it, but I think, really, I think Progress is still going to be... I th- if they're network content, I think they're still going to be allowed... I mean, look at Gabe and look at Evolve and the fact that, you know, the embargo mm. on them has been lifted. They can show the street profits if anyone actually wants to watch them. Um, actually, no, I know people who are fans of them, but, but they can show them on their VOD just like they can show Roderick Strong when he shows up next week replacing LAX. Um if that's the direction they've gone with Evolve, I think they're gonna. I think Progress are gonna benefit from maybe the misfortune of some of the other promotions and and be the one that can still use Pete Dunne, Tyler Bay, Trent Seven, and the lot. It just feels though, even if they are allowed to use them, would the problem not be the repetitive nature of them in NXT UK mm, and their bit and Progress? And it's very. It, it's just the complications of booking it of booking them now, booking any of these guys. It's, you, don't want to, you don't want to see people not being booked. Yeah, Tyler but, and Pete haven't been on the last couple of progress shows, mm. have they? It's just been Trent that's been there. Yeah. Mm. They're all advertised it, for this weekend, though. Oh, are they? I didn't know that. Okay. I mean, it's funny you get into, and we haven't even gone into any of the shows at the moment, but um, I know this is something that you brought up as well, seeing people getting a send-off, even though they're not actually going anywhere. At a show, yeah, yeah, they're just not going to be able to appear on those shows. Mm. That's a really, that's a weird, weird place to be mm. at this stage. And I suppose, as with all of this, because it, it's all unfolding in front of our eyes, it feels like there's so many different directions we're going to go in. We're going to hear about so much other stuff that's that's coming out there. Um, I'm, while I've got a bit of faith in the resilience of a lot of uh, a lot of companies who've been basically wary of this for a while and have at least been trying to kind of develop other wrestlers to work around mm. um we get to a stage where uh a lot of the a lot of the companies if you've been investing in nxt uk talent i mean this was on the cards for quite some time mm. and this is something that everyone should have been preparing for definitely that's it and i think do be you know going to what we were saying last week and just You've got to be careful what they wish for from that point of view as well. I mean, they're pulling British Strong style from shows in Japan and potentially, as Joe's going to talk about in a minute, you know, Fight Club Pro in general. They're hoarding all of these guys and, again, making them, whether they make them unique to NXT UK or they include Progress and ICW in that as well. They're going to be doing a lot of that. And the problem is, where do the next... You know, the, the big thing that NXT has been built around is is building it around bringing in these big indie names. And NXT UK is kind of doing the same thing, trying to bring in indie names and use them and make them NXT UK guys. Where do the next guys get made if you're just going to hoard everyone? Everyone who's, like you said, JP, you know, there's that top level of guys who, who you know, we're losing. It, and we might have reserves and people who can step into that top level, but if Dudu B start hoovering those guys up as well, it's kind of who's left at that point. Yeah, it's quite a bleak situation, isn't it? And this is kind of what we spoke about on the last podcast where we all got, well, me especially, got quite, you know, annoyed <laughs> and frustrated about the whole situation. And I, it almost feels like part of world domination is you know, hoovering up the talent, clearing up the talent, coming in 
to this territory, coming to this territory. It's like a game of risk, almost, <laughs> isn't it? You know, you've got to tick each country off for world domination. These wrestlers are just these individuals that you've got to kind of hoover up and have in this system. Mm. It's, just, it's so annoying how much money that lot seem to have when they're producing such a lackluster product right now. Like, you look at WWE, they are a p- company that really are underperforming in terms of what they're delivering creatively on that main roster. Um, and then you've got this situation where, in a way, they're not any less well off for that. And in fact, they're richer for it based on various business deals that they've been able to strike and various tax cuts that have gone on uh, for corporate taxes in America. Interesting that Linda McMahon is part of Trump's cabinet there, isn't it, as well? Um, So it's just a shite situation. I really hope at some point they get some awful PR and their value on Wall Street just just falls off a cliff. Um, I know that's an horrible thing to say because people lose jobs as a result of it. I don't like to see anyone out of work. But there'll probably be plenty of spots that are opening up in on the indies if people do fall out of jobs. Um, so <laughs> let's see what happens. Hey, if they Can't exist, that's the main thing. Um, but yeah, I suppose we should tie this story into mm. some of the live shows that we've kind of got to and that the, the story's kind of been in the back of my mind. I went to see TNT in Liverpool. Joe, you went to Fight Club Pro. We got Rev Pro to talk about. We got Progress to talk about as well. There's kind of... It's kind of been interesting in the light of that news and talking about our last show to kind of survey what the what the, the damage potentially could be, you know, who are the guys that are gonna step up in these different promotions. So I mean let's get into it. I mean which of the which of the uh the shows should we talk first? Uh should we go chronological or what do you want to go most notable? Which one do you reckon is the most notable? All right. Let's hear about TNT. Yeah, I wouldn't give it notable, but I suppose it would be the quickest one to go through and yeah. Uh, almost chronological. Uh, yeah, go on. Let's do TNT. I mean, I went to. I've got a huge amount to say about their show. I just think it, it does tie into the news nicely. I mean, they're a weird promotion. Kind of. I've been to a couple of their shows in the past, and I talked about it on this show. They are advertised as extreme wrestling, and the, they feel a little bit ICW in the way that the things are set up there. The, the first show I went to was like a, a bought show with a whole load of weird hardcore matches and a. I think there was a match where there was a guy who was about to get powerbombed through a table, and if I remember rightly, he literally um, went under the ring, grabbed a t-shirt, and put it on before he got powerbombed through the flaming table. It was that kind of <laughs> low-level hardcore. The only wrestler that I kind of recognize on that show, and he's definitely not a name that you should recognize, is Roughneck. Um, he teamed with Chris Travis for a little bit and teamed on the show I watched today, the MOB with, with Tyson T-Bone. I think he's their booker. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, that was very much, it was called TNT back then. This was like three, four years ago. And they've kind of carried on the name under a, a new promoter. And I just don't know what it is. I mean, I, I sent the the card out. I put it on Twitter and JP, you saw it as well. It's hard to, to make sense of what it is. Because on the one hand, they'll have a hardcore match like BT Gun versus Bram. Um, which obviously people's mileage may vary on. And then they'll also, you know, they'll have random like, high spot matches like they had a three-way with Curtis Murray, LJ Cleary and Scotty Davis like they've kind of got their ear to the ground of what's kind of hot on like the underground wrestling scene right now but then on the other hand they're 
that are weird kind of piss up i've always described it as like you guys have been to the crazy house in liverpool which was a rock club it's been renamed oh. now i've not been since it's been rebranded and i believe it's actually had a bit of a clean but i always always described it as crazy house wrestling it's like a it's like a, a metal club turned into into a wrestling show if that makes any sense it's just a really really odd little setup metal and wrestling for Vigo and Dan sounds like um i don't know drowning pool performing at wwe shows back in the day and saliva and all the rest <laughs> yeah i mean it works because you know we're, we're fans in black t-shirts that's kind of like there's definitely a crossover you know the lads you see in the crowd in the with their long hair and hair and beards you could imagine or, or bald heads and beards you could imagine at those kind of shows it's just strange because i kind of i went there stone cold sober and maybe that's part of it as well i went on the thursday because I, I couldn't make it to fight club pro on the saturday in the end and I don't know, it's like the crowd feels like they're just there to get pissed, and what's happening in the ring doesn't always get a lot of focus, like there's a lot, it felt like there's a lot of chatter going on, and a lot of people not looking at the ring as, you know, the likes of LJ Killeri, Curtis Murray, and Scotty Davis are, are trying to kill themselves in the ring, and people pay attention to the big spots, but don't seem to be that into the individual guys, I mean, I've... JP, you have, I mean, you're kind of, in some ways, our Irish wrestling correspondent as well. <laughs> Add into your list of titles. I mean, what do you make of those three? Because I went, a lot of the reason I went there live was to see that match. Mm. You know, Scotty Davis is someone who's getting a lot of buzz. LJ Cleary on the night was doing a very, he was trying to do a lot of heel shtick and getting a lot of virgin chants from the crowd. Again, it is very attitude era, the, the crowd set up there. Curtis Murray has got a decent look, and that's about all I can see in him. Um, but clearly, and Scotty Davis are decent, even if, yeah, maybe on this night with the weird crowd, and uh, there was a couple of botches in the match, including the finish, uh, that didn't go exactly perfectly. It made for a really, really awkward match, and yeah, I'm not a... I kind of like the guys on the, as like you know lower level flippy kind of guys, but I do hear people talk about them as the the future of wrestling. I can kind of see it with Scotty Davis, but I'm definitely not sure on Curtis Murray and the the jury's still out for me on LJ Cleary. Well, I've, I've funny enough, I'm still working. I've only seen the main event of the Redemption show of the last OTT show. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed seeing all of them in their various spots on the fourth anniversary. I think it was Scotty Davis versus Mark Davis. Um, LJ Cleary with a gender neutral title as well. I think Curtis Murray and Nathan Carney. I mean, within the OTT environment, mm. I think it, it, it's going to obviously work better. And they've got the kind of uh, they've got the goodwill of the crowd already to kind of fall back on and invest in. And it doesn't sound like they had that here. So, how much time do they have? What sort of less than ten minutes? I'd say longer than that. It was probably about fifteen. Um... Yeah, okay. it was just... Were they rushing it, or did they start out slow and just not get the crowd into it? I think it? they were packing a lot of stuff in, and I think with maybe a... Again, the crowd were respect, receptive for the... There was a big dive, and the crowd was into that, and they were receptive for some of the bigger spots, yeah. but yeah, just something about it didn't work for me, and I was definitely disappointed, because well, I kind of travelled... A lot of the reason I'd gone was to kind of get to see those guys up close. I think the only... I think the one of the reasons, and again, you know, I'm, I'm, some, I'm biased in this, but they're all crazily young mm. in the sense that I think Scotty Davis has just turned 18. Mm. He said, made a post the other day yeah, saying about he's now legally allowed to go to the Tivoli mm. for the first time. I know. Um, I think LJ Cleary is around 19. I think mm. Curtis Murray, they're all younger than 20. I think the idea is they're all crazily young mm. and for yeah, their age. Dad, 
that's a terrifying thought. And that's not like with me having kids at 13 or something silly. That's like, Jesus, I'd be in my 20s. It's yeah. a terrifying thought. That's I didn't a... want to think about that. Well, yeah, I think that the kind of, I mean, I'm not definitely not throwing them under the bus because no. especially Cleary and Davis, I definitely see something in Cleary again. I do think he, he was kind of trying to play a very like heel sticky character in a match mm-hmm. that was very spotty. And for me, the two things don't really blend very well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't. Again, a decent match, but you know, I'm not going to let it kind of. I, I'm still open minded to them, and again, the Irish talk them up yeah. for all kinds. So you know, I'm willing to to give it the benefit of the doubt, or maybe it just it was a match that wasn't hugely for me. Um, but yeah, I went out to see them, and you know, like I say, it's a weird card because you get people like them on the cards. Bram and BT Gun was a hardcore match that it might make me unpopular to say, but I actually thought it was pretty decent on the night. Um, if really? It fits that crowd. You know, crazy hardcore match where they yeah. brawl to the outside and they were fighting on the streets of Liverpool, um, back end of Wood Street, uh, just get, get throwing each other against guardrails on on the streets and the bouncers wouldn't let me out there with my beer. God help them, because they're, they're <laughs> apparently attempting to run a deathmatch tournament in January. So hopefully the bouncers cool out by then. Um, but yeah, that was decent. But again, it kind of speaks to the kind of weird nature of the cards. I don't think they're very well laid out because yeah, I think I think the structure of the cards is weird. Because one minute yeah, you're getting a flippy match, then you know there might be a random women's tag, you know that random hardcore matches on the show. I just don't really know what the promotion is, um, and that's kind of a, a big part of the problem for me. Um, as far as the high end matches on the show go, I mean El Fantasmo and David Starr had. A decent version of their match. A lot of comedy early on. I don't know if you you saw the photos I put of the venue. It's got very very low hanging lights, and they were kind of. It using... looks great though. Those lights. Oh, it, it looks fantastic. I mean, it, it's been used for boxing shows in the past. PCW used to run there until the venue double booked a boxing show on the on the same night that they were supposed to run. But it it looks. I mean, it's a two to three hundred seater or a standing even, so you can't really. You can't run huge shows there, for, but, but for companies the level of TNT or a PCW, it does work and it does look pretty. Uh, but yeah, El, El Fantasma and David Starr kind of had the, not the night off version of their match, but just a, you know, maybe not going all out uh, on a Thursday night in Liverpool, just having a, a very, very solid match. And really the, the main re- story of the night was, I mean, they had the, Jordan Devlin's kind of become a, a bit of a, Obviously, he's a cult hero, or more than that, in in Ireland. He's kind of a, a national hero at this point, but he does have a bit of a cult hero status in Liverpool as the TNT champion. That's something good, you know, aside from the endless bookings of, of, of Bram and Joseph Connors that they've kind of got behind Jordan Devlin and made him the champion. It was another reason I went out there to see him against Angelico, and they had a really, really good dynamic match. Um, Angelico had a good match. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I am a fan of Angelico. I quite like watching Angelico. Um, I like him more when he's doing crazy dives, but uh, I, I don't mind Angelico, especially in a setting like this. And yeah, I mean, you can say it's Devlin carried him if you like, but uh, Devlin, I mean, Angelico looked good in the match, but Devlin, again, reiterating what I said about NXT UK the other week, uh, Jordan Devlin kind of comes out and looks like a star now. He's in much better shape. He commands the room a lot better. He comes out like a champion, and it did. It felt like mm-hmm. a, a proper title match in a very weird promotion that maybe doesn't always know what it is. And yeah, he's one of the people that I, I think that they they really have been getting right. Um, but yeah, uh, after the after the match, after he defended his belt and and you know kept hold of the belt, he then relinquished the belt in the ring, and that 
NXT UK story that maybe you might try and put to the back of your head kind of comes to the forefront again because he essentially said that because of his contractual status he was not going to be able to be back in, in TNT next year so they they had him uh, hand the belt over to the to the company owner and, and off he walked and yeah that was kind of again uh, a confirmation really of, of what we're expecting you know with the, a lot of the contracts are, are different and the, the mid card nxt uk uk guys and the upper cards and might be different from a british strong style type but it did feel like uh you know devlin's gone from tnt it made me you know worry about uh what might happen with him you know in ott going forward and the, the likelihood of uh of it was being able to see uh him in that environment or even get to to be shown and the, the likes of their vod yeah, that's always been one of the big fears. You said it last week. You said it on British Wrestling Experience as well. It's always seemed like a weird outlier, OTT, mm. being on that list of, of the approved companies. Mm. It's, just the, it's the one that stands out of, I don't quite understand. If it's for the sake of one person, mm. it seems like a very kind of weird decision for them to make. Yeah. Um, Perhaps it's Devlin renegotiating his deal or something, and he's got a special deal because these deals seem to be all very individual, don't they? Mm. So perhaps there's something in Devlin's contract that stipulates he can he can wrestle at OTT, but I don't know why he'd want to come back to TNT. Uh, sorry, that's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, that's he's our local right. hero. If you saw the video, Joe, people will well be at. I mean, he genuinely has gotten seriously over in Liverpool. I just maybe yeah. wish it was in a bit of a more consistent promotion. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think OTT is a, is a different kettle of fish, but... Again, you had him doing the kind of the, the heartfelt goodbye speech. I could just imagine that times 10 if he uh, ever had to do it with OTT. Um, well, I'll tell you where he didn't have to do one this weekend, mate, and that was in Fight Club Pro. Mm. Nice segue. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very impressed with that. Um, he, got it, he might have got himself in some trouble there, though. I saw him uh, hoping that people don't report him to trips for, uh, for a dive he did on that show. Oh, it was awesome. He climbed up like um, the wall. I can't, couldn't really make out from where I was. What he climbed up, did a cracking moonsault from the top of the uh, from the top of it down onto the floor. He, he was amazing at that match. I've got to say, like he has been tearing it up. I, you could argue he's the most improved wrestler of this year. I could even argue he was the most improved wrestler of last year. But this year, I think I think he's one of the best in the world at this point. He might be the best guy working in the UK, Ireland and Europe, like generally this mm. year, if you ask me. Like I think he's absolutely in the conversation for rest of the year, um, for for Europe, if anything. I'd even put him in the top 10 in the world this year, potentially. In terms of big match performances and just having an ability to get over doing anything and everything like he has got something else and he really was great on that fight club pro show the finish to the match he was in so he's in a six man with british strong style and they were against travis banks devlin and dan maloney and as a match it was just a good fun six man basically but felt like it was booked on a whim and there was a loser that's not like fight club pro is it yeah (laughs) Loser leaves town stipulation that was added to the match as well. That was added last minute. Um, so you kind of knew what was going on, but at the same time, there was a bit of doubt mm. because Trent obviously owns the promotion. The finish to the match was they took it straight out of Wrestle War 92, Steiners versus Fujinami and Azuka. Um, it was essentially Doomsday Device, Tyler Bate goes to hit Doomsday Device, Trent Seven's shoulders. Devlin flips Tyler over and does like a Spanish fly in midair. 
and catches him for the full. It looked amazing. Like, I don't know if to finish. Briscoe's Kentamara Fuji. Say it again. A bit of Briscoe's Kentamara Fuji as well. Didn't they do that spot as well? Or was that Briscoe's and Ricky Marvin and Kataro Suzuki, which I think is a better match than the Kenta and Marafuji match. I don't know if you remember that one. That's an incredible match they had in Noah in 2006, I want to say, seven, something like that. Um, but yeah, very similar to that. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a fun match. But obviously, Devlin, Travis Banks, and well, Dan Maloney, you'd expect, sticking around in Fight Club Pro. It looks like they've got different contracts to British Strong Style. So, yeah, it looks like we're going to be seeing more of them in Fight Club Pro. But British Strong Style themselves, Trent Seven, looks like he's waving goodbye to his uh, his own promotion that he, you know, yeah. owns. <laughs> Do you think it's legit? Do you think it, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past Fight Club Pro to kind of try and work. You know, considering the, the the news being out there, kind of work something and bring them back later to pay off against the heel gang. Did they come off as as legitimate in the building? It felt legitimate, and it felt like they like looking at Pete Dunne smiling. If Pete Dunne's smiling, that to me usually feels quite legit because Pete Dunne never smiles <laughs> when he's in character, really. Mm. Um, and the mouth guard was out as well. It did feel very genuine uh, being there. Um, you know, they said never be back again. There's no way I believe that. I'm sure they'll get special permission to do some sort of appearance at some point or something, especially Trent. You know, he's the man around Wolverhampton, isn't he? He's yeah. going to be back in Wolverhampton's premier wrestling yeah. company at some point, I'm sure, especially when he has an ownership. It's like Ric Flair in Charlotte, isn't it, with him in Wolverhampton? <laughs> yeah. yeah, except he is actually from Wolverhampton, whereas Ric Flair seemed to just adopt Charlotte's yeah. hometown, didn't he? Um, yeah, it was a really strange situation, though. Like, mm. I'll go through the show in a minute, but the British Strong Style stuff was, it felt to me that it was something they had to put together because they'd got word that week. Whereas it felt like if they had word earlier, this could have been built to as a really, really big match. So in the building for this, you probably had 400, 450. Apparently it was sold out the night before and the number was down. Not what they got the, num- the night before. Mm. But I think if people knew it was their last match in Fight Club Pro, they would have probably drawn a much bigger house for this one if it was kind of built up in some way. But with the lack of notice that it seemed like everyone had, Mm. that wasn't possible. So it felt like they were going out, sort of a rapturous reception. But the whole thing was kind of kind of odd because you got these three guys getting this hero's reception and this kind of hero's goodbye and this, you know, go on and do better things, go on and succeed. But we've kind of known this was coming in some weird way for two years. Yeah. Really. And at the same time, it almost feels like they've been biding time Mm. for two years. And these guys have been accessing WWE access at NXT. Pete Dunne did an episode of Raw last year as well, didn't he? Mm. So it's very much like they've been there, but they've also had one foot here. But usually when you get these like heroic send-offs, I think of, say, ones I always think of are like CM Punk in 2005 in Ring of Honor, for example. That really emotional send-off, like, see you later, you go and do better things. Nakamura when he left New Japan even. That was mm. a great send-off at Corican. Mm. This was a send-off that just felt odd because it was like, yeah, go and do better things, guys, in NXT UK. <laughs> and it's like, go and perform in front of a similar amount of people <laughs> in the same time on worse shows. Yeah. Up the road in it's not, yeah. 
it was it, it wasn't you guys head off to America, you start a new life. You know, that might come eventually. I don't know if for Trent it will. I'm sure for Pete and Tyler it will, especially with age on their side. Mm. But it was just very odd because it, it had all of the hallmarks of a heroic send-off and a, we want you guys to go and kill it in America and, you know, we'll be watching out for you and we'll be cheering you on. It felt like it had all the hallmarks of that, but it very much was, well, we'll be in, I don't know, Liverpool next weekend again. <laughs> Drive to out the road and see us. Yeah, yeah. So they played into that. But at the same time, I was thinking to myself, fuck, with all of this, I really wish they were just going full time in NXT. Yeah. In Orlando, rather than having this weird kind of being in this weird middle ground with this Mm -hmm. NXT UK stuff while coming to Orlando. Yeah, while coming to Orlando occasionally to do really, really great stuff, really, let's be honest. So it was just it was just strange. Mm. But at the same time, it was I don't know, I'd say I felt a little bit emotional because these guys have been amazing the last couple of years. As much as I hate the WWE stuff, it's weird how much Pete Dun- Pete Dunn it really has grown in the last few years. I remember the first time I saw him, I was like, Oh, I don't know don't know about this Pete Dunn guy. Mm. You look what he's turned into. And I think of the elite uh, against British Strong Style, which was last year, obviously, in Fight Club Pro. You think of just how wrestling has changed since that moment. There was like a New Japan versus WWE match, right? And you think of the directions everything has gone in since then and how that match just wouldn't be able to happen at this point in time. Mm. And it felt like that, New Japan, WWE, uh, British Strong Style, the Elite match uh, in Wolverhampton was kind of a real moment in British independent wrestling and in the world of independent wrestling because it was two teams kind of kind of at the top of their game, you could argue, mm. representing two different kind of factions and two different philosophies and approaches to wrestling mm. to an extent. And now there's so much doubt that surrounds the future of both. Like I'm sure they're going to have good futures, but both are sort of stuck in this weird middle ground that it just feels undefined and everything's so unsure at the moment. Mm. And it felt like we'd come from that, you know, that April 2017 moment to this. And it was like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah. Like, what am I watching here? Like, it was just very confusing when you kind of thought of all the variables that went into it, in a sense. Yeah, it's like they've, I don't know, they've kind of, they've had the best of both worlds for the last two years, haven't they? Yeah. It's kind of, every time I've gone to Fight Club Pro, I've kind of, well, last year really mainly, because I don't, can't even think, I don't think I've been this year, but maybe early in the year, but they, yeah, I went to the DTTI, but they kind of, I don't know, last year, when I was going to Fight Club Pro shows regularly in Wolverhampton, every time I kind of seen those guys, you know, just wandering around in the Starworks warehouse, yeah. I kept thinking, how surreal is this that you can you can still walk up to the you can still walk up to Pete Dunne, you know, even after him and Tyler Bates absolutely you know killed it on a takeover and after he main evented the last takeover, like we just said, so they've kind of enjoyed that over the last two years. So it's kind of been we've it's almost like we've we've kind of the moment for that goodbye is gone. Like the moment for that goodbye felt like it was two years ago when, like you say, when they, when they initially got the contracts, whereas now it's kind of limped on and limped on. And like you say, they've been doing, they've been doing fun stuff in fight club pro, but nothing I would describe as must see. 
um, and now they're leaving. It just, yeah, it does leave a, a really, really odd hole. It's it, it kind of, and this is another crap analogy, but it's like they've had to now finish university mm. and <laughs> get themselves like a proper job, and they can't have fun anymore. Mm. And it's like, I'm sure of, they're happy to as well. Though. I'm, I'm sure, like, the world. They managed to do a two-year masters. Mm. They while, did while doing a bit of experience at the same yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> and and they've got the choice you know, as well, haven't they? And they've taken this path you know obviously voluntarily pete dunn was one of the many people who came out on twitter with you know defending saying the indies are going to be fine there's nothing to worry about kind of spiel i'm sure he's got to say that but at the same time i think that they're, they're probably especially trend seven quite happy with the lot in life yeah and you know i always think with and the vitriol is never towards necessarily wrestlers trying you know trying to make a good a, a living for themselves that kind of cult-like mentality of of wrestlers selling out given that they have to do the starving artist routine for such a long time that kind of we talk about it a lot that ability that Heyman had to completely brainwash people into thinking that somehow they should stay with ecw mm. with all of the horrific things around oh, the, the company way Heyman used to play up uh, yeah. wcw eric bischoff style eddie guerrero chris benoit d malenko and chris jericho from me it's like what and WCW put them on a fuckload more money. Like, yeah. I, I kind of get so, it. So, like, there's never any of the kind of bitterness around that. I think there's there's possibly the inability to see the fans' perspective in this. Mm. That, I feel, is the thing that, that's kind of missing. I know we're going I'm going back onto that again as well. <laughs> so, which actually, tying it into it, I was wondering about the crowd for Fight Club Pro. How did it? How did it feel? Was there? Well, it's in, uh, just one point I want to make about this whole term "sellout" again. Yeah. The rest of it, because I saw some of the stuff Pete Dunne got on Twitter, and I just thought that the people who are giving him that shit, you know, they don't understand it. They're taking an anger yeah. out on him, and mm. you know, I don't understand. I would never, you know, put blame on wrestlers in any way at all, and think any less of them for signing with wwe uh for sure um but there was a great part of the show so lycos was the ring announcer for the evening he's the schadenfreude ring announcer and when he was announcing pete dunn he described him as um wrestling's longest was it wrestling's longest sellout or wrestling's longest serving sellout or something like that which was a cracking line i've got to say (laughs) And it did get a good pop. But, um, yeah, crowd were weird at Fight Club Pro. But, um, first of all, I've been to Fight Club Pro in a year. Mm. And I just think that's the first few times I went to Fight Club Pro. It was at the Fiction. And I couldn't wait to go back the next month. Like, I was, like, counting mm. the days to the next show. Because the, the show's so good. And then the initial week to the Starworks was great as well. I didn't feel myself feeling any urge to go back to Wolverhampton anytime soon. I, I enjoyed the show for what it was. But I don't know, it's just, it's not for me. I feel, I don't know if my tastes have changed. I don't know, I don't know what it is. Um, and obviously this was printed as a Schnadenfreude show that was based around Fight Club Pro storylines, mm-hmm. if anything. Uh, the crowd was about 400 or so. And I find with Fight Club Pro, they're, they're, it feels like they're very much the sociable promotion. Mm-hmm. So they're the promotion that people go to to socialise. Yeah. People from down south meeting people from up north and the Midlands, meet in the middle in Wolverhampton. It's kind of become a bit of a tradition for a lot of people, which is cool. I like the fact that there's a place like that in the country and they've got their place and they've 
kind of found that gap in the market, if anything, haven't mm. they, really? You know, you get people talking about, like, the Red Wings Lodge in Wolverhampton. Or the Gifford Arms. And, yeah, and it's got, yeah. you know, a bit of folklore in British wrestling to some extent. But it very much feels like it is that promotion. And I don't know, that's not that stuff's not for me <laughs> so yeah. much. I'm not bothered about that stuff. I, I want to go to wrestling shows to watch wrestling, essentially. Yeah, social comes along with it. That can be nice. Mm. But essentially, I'm there to watch wrestling. And I don't know, they're not a promotion for me anymore, um, mm. I must say. So you can hear lots of crowd chatter during the matches as well. Like, like Ben over said about TNT earlier, <laughs> there was a lot of that during matches and as far as the card was laid out it was really oddly laid out card so i don't know how much you guys have seen of the schnadenfreude stuff you seen much of it at all so what i've seen the schnadenfreude is the um like the various attacks on people and it's a hell of a big stable yeah the initial that's, kyle that's, turn and the mark davis turn yeah I, I like i like that i mean i was tempted to go down on the saturday and i kind of like that they've got you know, a bit of a focus for the shows. Um, the NWO sold out type of thing did appeal to me in a few ways. Um, I kind of like the idea of the stable, and I think it's it's better than than kind of what Fight Club Pro kind of devolved into earlier this year. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, for me, I don't know. So it, the show opened with Schadenfreude. I've been saying that wrong. JP's just pointed out to me. Sorry, <laughs> so he was wrong. very polite about it. I was wondering whether I should uh, help him. Yeah, uh, me and Countdown wouldn't go. Wouldn't, well, I wouldn't be too good on there. Let's just say it's too long for Countdown. That word's more than nine letters. Oh right, one of my um, housemates won Countdown a couple of years ago. He split with his girlfriend because um, she was distracting him from his online Countdown play. So he wasn't being able to get enough in. She split up with her so we could play more online Countdown. Got the bloody show. Won it. It was on like the Christmas edition because he won it. Oh, he's laughing now. Nice. Uh, yeah. Well. Her, probably, and him. <laughs> probably got a nice, more fulfilling life without him, I'm sure. I digress. <laughs> Back to Schadenfreude, not uh, John, my old house mate. If you're listening, John, you won't be because you hate wrestling. How are you doing? Um, but, yeah, Schadenfreude come out at the beginning. you got Brooks, you got Gresham in there, you got Lycos, you got CCK. You've also got Aussie Open and Ring Camp in there. It's a hell of a big stable. And I'm looking at it thinking, this is very NWO. I know what you're going for here and the sold-out mm. theme and all the rest of it. I, I just, it's a bit odds and ends for me. I get it. It's like a super mm. stable, but I don't know. It didn't. I wasn't doing a lot for me. They're quite. It's quite cool to see them together. They've got like quite cool pictures, which are very NWO-esque. But I don't know. What, what I did find, though, was the merchandise and the way they'd marketed the event, I thought was very savvy. Mm. And I yeah. think uh, if Chris Brooks is behind this all, he's got one hell of a mind for promotion mm. and for marketing. And I do wonder to an extent if this is an, a this is a kind of route into I me and JP yeah. talked about yesterday. Chris Brooks possibly running a few shows, or Chris Brooks taking on more of a promotional stance. Is he going to take over the Trent Seven role in Fight Club Pro potentially? Who knows? Again, pure speculation. But the guy attack. seems like say again. He's always got attack. Exactly. But yeah. he seems to really know his audience. Like I was thinking to myself, Chris Brooks, in a sense, he's a little bit he reminds me of, say, Dean Gaffney to an extent. So like <laughs> <That's> got, <laughs> Where's this going? 
Yeah. Well, Dean Gaffney was, you know, tabloid fodder throughout the 90s, early 2000s. And he really knew how to take advantage of his fans Mm. to some extent. Now, Chris Brooks, in the same way, knows how to take advantage of his fans. Dean Gaffney was obviously taking advantage of them in a very different way. But Chris Brooks knows how to take advantage in a very positive way in terms of finding T-shirt designs and merchandise that younger fans want to buy that's kind of based around kind of internet humor, popular like hip-hop and rap and kind of memeable type stuff. In the same way, Dean Gaffney knew how to chat women up in clubs by using his EastEnders fame. But then at the same time, I wonder if this promotional route is the route Chris Brooks should go down because for the last year or so, he's kind of been stuck in this weird middle ground where he's been waiting for this little wolf to kind of not get injured all the time. But this little wolf's been following Chris Brooks around in the same way that a dog in the shape of Wellard followed Dean Gaffney <laughs> for years and years. And I kind of think to myself, this Brooks and Gresham side are great together, okay? Does he need to get rid of Wellard? Does he need to find the love Dean Gaffney found with Anita and move, move on to the next stage of his life? Dean Gaffney moved to India. Chris Brooks has found Gresham. Does he just need to leave Lycos behind, leave him with Gus, let him go on to the next stage of his life and go down this route? Well, we could... I have... I don't have a fucking idea how to answer to any of that. that that's, that's, I did, I did wonder at one point, I thought the soap conversation is a bit lacking tonight. We'll just, but I won't say anything. I might raise it off air afterwards. Oh, that's someone I went to college with your finest work. 2005. Um, Dean Gaffney opened up Cape Hassa in Southampton. So I went to college with yeah. one night stand with Dean Gaffney. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It was never forgotten. Uh, um, I haven't seen her in a long time. It should never be forgotten. No, but um, yeah. So I think Chris Brooks <laughs> taking advantage of his fans in a in a similar but much better way than Dean Gaffney. He's taken advantage of them in terms of t-shirt sales, but in terms of being able to connect with that audience as well. Like he is an, I think he's a bit of a genius when it comes to marketing. Mm. And like some of the t-shirts he puts on Twitter are gone in 10, 20 minutes at times. Yeah. Like he knows how to shill his merge. And I wonder if the next step is promotion. And I think that he'd be a real asset for British wrestling as a promoter if he can do stuff like this and if he's merchandising as well. You look at the connections he's got with other companies. Obviously, he's running Attack. He's got a really good relationship with Quilden as well because he's Rev Pro regularly as well. I think that this could be a really good way for British wrestling to kind of go from strength to strength in 2019 if he is running shows regularly. There you go. Just, just park up a bus and give all the money to Chris Brooks. And, um, I think that's it. No, I, I'm kind of... I, how do you... Because you didn't go to Tuesday Night Graps. Mm. I take it, Bennett. Um, but obviously, we've all heard about what he's, what's happened in terms of that and that he's um, running the shows from March. And I think that's... It's an interesting one. I, I'm thinking 2019. And it's actually... I'm going to tie it back into something that you said on the podcast on British Wrestling Experience with uh, Martin Bushby and, and Will Cooling. And bringing up the the idea of, of what happens with the New Japan talent from Rev Pro. Um, where else could they get booked? And I know I'm really jumping the gun here, but Chris Brooks running some shows in the Midlands, mm. being able, knowing how to use Japanese wrestlers as someone who 
very clearly, I don't, you always get the impression he wasn't a WWE fan. And therefore, this could be a, a way in. And we might be going well down a path here and giving him far, far, far too much credit for it. But I'm, yeah, it's a fascinating idea. It's niche kind of fun stuff, isn't it? That's what Attack is. Yeah. Tuesday Night Graps is right up his alley. Is I mean, I always thought that Attack should take over that, and Chris Brooks should be the man running it, uh, based on the the what the pool party show that I went to earlier this year. So it's good, yeah. good that that's happening. Yeah, this shouting for the show is kind of like again for a certain type of fan. This is kind of the it's it's just a great way to pay off not pay off that story, but to kind of cash in on that story and and cash in on that type of fan and you know all the stuff I saw with. You know, people's Fight Club Pro merchandise being t- taped up on the way into the building. And, oh, it's and really cool. Fun, cute things like that. Maybe, you know, it doesn't work every month, but it's kind of one-offs and kind of wacky things from the mind of Chris Brooks. They they really work. But, um, I mean, I mean, aside from that, you know, you've talked a few things about the show there, Joe. Mm. Before we do move on to the next stuff, I do, do need to ask, I mean, Walter Masato Tanaka, was that worth the Oh, trip? that's awesome. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, the first two matches, I like, really didn't enjoy all that much. Timothy Thatcher, Mambo, was a weird old match. Um, great ending. Springboard uh, off the top rope into a sleeper and then into a choke from uh, Mambo on Thatcher. So that was kind of cool. But Orange Cassidy, Carl Fletcher as the opener was not good. I didn't think it worked at all. Um, it went way too long. And then we got Mambo and Thatcher, which did nothing for me apart from that ending. If you told me that was like six months ago, the result of that match and everything else, I'd be fucking steaming to hear, <laughs> to hear that. Now I'm kind of thinking, all right, I'm going to give this, yeah, definitely give it a go. Hey, open mind, mate. Yeah, very much so. Um, but what was I saying? Yeah. Then Walter Tanaka came along. I was thinking, I'm not really digging this. Like, I don't know if this is for me. Oh, Walter Tanaka was for me. It was well and truly for me. It was a scrappy all-around-the-arena brawl where they just beat the shit out of each other. And Walter, i got to say, really changed it up. He was far more aggressive and was like well and truly laying his shit in. There was a real pace to the match as well. Mm. Like kept a pace throughout, and throughout the match, Walter was just bringing a like, real intensity, if anything. Like this felt obviously it's not part of a few, but it felt more like a hate-filled brawl than anything I'd seen live in a while. There's some crazy spots in there. Walter took a power bomb through a table at one point. Horrible table. Uh, a couple of chair shots to the head for Tanaka. I'm just assuming he walks out of a permanent concussion based on the amount of chair shots to the head he's taken. That was sick. And not in a sick bruv way, in a that was fucking sick sort of way. Um, so, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy match. And it was everything I wanted. It was everything I went to that show for. Mm. I've never seen Masato Tanaka live before. I'm very happy I went along. And I'm very happy I got to see Masato Tanaka in the flesh even though he's 45, he can still go. And he was awesome here. And I'm gutted I didn't pick up an FMW t-shirt. I didn't have any cash on me because they were some cool t-shirts. I believe they sold out at OTT of those things as well uh, when he made his way out there. Um, yeah, that, that that sounds like exactly the match I wanted it to be. And the match mm. I was worried you might get with Walter and the, you know, the, the B news. I wondered, you know, I believe in the in the multi-person match the night before, they went a, a long way to keep him and uh, Miko away from each other um, as far as offense goes. Oh, well, um, they didn't the second night. I tell you, I don't think Walter's going anywhere. I think Walter's going to be doing that Satamora match because the main event, 
uh, was a was a Schadenfreude. I've said that wrong again. <laughs> Schadenfreude lumberjack match where Walter was laying it in on Satamora. It was a great spot with a big boot, which got great heat as well. Like Walter as a heel here, I've got to say, was one of the coolest things about the show. Like he seemed to be really enjoying having this heel run here. Timothy Thatcher was an interesting one. He looked a bit uncomfortable in a stable being a lumberjack during a lumberjack match, which I'm sure he absolutely hates because I can't see him being into <laughs> kind of that kind of tropey kind of gimmicky wrestling, if anything. Mm. But yeah, Walter Satamora, I'm absolutely sure is happening at some point based on the way this was booked. And Walter Martin Zaki looks like <laughs> it might at some point based on the finish to this. Martin Zaki choking Walter. I've got to ask Joe, does that, does that work? I mean, G-Man attacking Tim Thatcher. It was a weird thing that I read from the spoilers as well. Uh, does does that stuff work for you? Right. So the, the like so Schnadenfreude are out there. The old man. <laughs> That's going to be the title oh, of the show, now, John. Schnadenfreude. I'm going to just stop saying it. The big faction who want <laughs> the NWO like type faction. <laughs> they were out there um, for the whole match of this lumberjack match, and uh, it was a bit. It was interesting. Maybe a little bit problematic. You could even argue because you've got eight blokes beating up a female throughout the match and then she's walking down in the ring and you've got these eight blokes just waiting for this female to get in the ring and i was a bit like hmm feels a little bit uncomfortable to some extent but at the same time you could spin it and say it's all about her taking ownership and this female empowerment to some extent i don't know um <laughs> that might be how people see it i'm not sure so it felt a little bit odd to me um but at the same time the match absolutely worked as a kind of overbooked brawl that helped in getting the faction over more it definitely put more sympathy on satamora as well people definitely bought into the story of the match and then we had this moment where they were going mad on satamora and after 15 minutes of wrestling the babyface locker room finally decided to empty and they all ran out at the same time and there were people that weren't on the show like amari and his uh like streetwear uh, Millie McKenzie in her tracksuit, Isla Dawn made up to the nines as well. And seen them all night. And then G Man as well, who decided to have an attack on Timothy Thatcher. And then Zaki was there. Walter got a bit of offense in on Zaki. I've got to say, in the moment, it worked. It didn't feel ridiculous in the moment. Like, I didn't leave thinking they just had Martin Zaki choke out Walter. It was kind of a sneak <laughs> attack from behind. And it was kind of built to quite nicely, and the crowd really dug it as well. And then at the end of the night, when we've had this hostile takeover, we get the owner of the company standing tall with his champion. So there was kind of a like point to it narrative-wise over the course yeah. of the night, if that makes sense. I get when people would have seen a picture on Twitter of Martin Zaki choking out Walter, <laughs> how ridiculous that might have looked. But contextually, if you yeah. were there didn't feel like that it was i think there, there was a point to it it was going to work anywhere it was there i mean i was half expecting matt richards to put his baggy pleathers on and come out as a delirium the wrestler he used to be in years gone by um that didn't happen sadly but yeah i think if there's a wacky place it's gonna work and again people get getting up in arms about tim thatcher you know being willing to take offense from G-Man or Walter being able to, being willing to take offense from Martin Zaki, you know those two are well up for it. Given the story, given the environment, given the type of show it was, they were well up for that. 
Yeah, and it worked as well. It I didn't think it was like you know I'll complain about a lot, <laughs> and it, I thought it was fine. I got to say, Satamora was great as well. Like she was absolutely awesome with the match. Um, first time I've seen her in person as well, and yeah, I was well impressed. The, the match as an overbook main event was a really fun match. A uh, couple of other matches on the card I didn't like. One of the things I thought this suffered from, and Lycos or Wellard as the uh, MC for the evening, he was really great, really confident the might for someone at 21. Um, but a couple of bits during the night, he kept changing the rules for certain matches. So the Hunters versus Brooks and Gresham was like a, it was a, the Hunters could be disqualified, but it was a no DQ max for, match for Brooks and Gresham. Mm. And it just killed the match for me. I just couldn't get into it because it felt like hokey raw booking with like a heel general manager and stacking the odds on the baby face and the rest of it. I was thinking, I've seen this a million times. It's not what I want from this. And I think one of the, one of the things I found about the show overall is my biggest complaint about Fight Club Pro was, there was no real direction and no real storylines when I stopped going. And I've come back and they've done a complete 180. <laughs> Whereas now it feels that like they've gone all story <laughs> and like happy medium. I think I would have preferred. So, you know, there's no please in everyone. I know that. And I get they're making a real effort with this and mm. understand why people are into it. But yeah, just maybe not for me, this stuff. Fair enough. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm open-minded to, to start and traveling again. Like I say, I, I was, almost convinced to come on saturday if they can still i mean a lot of it's going to be who they can continue to use um you know there's a, outside the british strong style you know if they, if they lose walter if they lose you know even like a millie mckenzie if they travis banks jordan devil and they're the wrestlers i'd be willing to that kind of speaks to the bigger issue doesn't it i'd be willing to to travel to see in a fight club pro environment again um but that that does sound promising to me that sounds like again if they this story maybe it is a little bit overbooked but if they continue it on into the new year and, and maybe do another show similar to this yeah maybe i'll uh, maybe i'll make the trip again it's good to get back to jack's uh, snap bar cracking curry in there <laughs> good stuff <laughs> uh, we've got two shows left to talk about uh, should we go with rev pro first and, uh, and wrap up our yeah. live talk yeah i mean we were at rev pro yesterday um we went to see uh live in the cockpit 35 and it was a it's a stacked show, this one. Um, I think it was the best cockpit show this year. Yeah, it's it pretty really good in in terms of top to bottom, but also some of the stuff that happened. And to continue on the nineteen ninety seven theme, was it SummerSlam ninety yeah, seven? We yeah, saw absolutely. we saw a version of that finish it. That was honestly to God, I was up on my feet when I saw that happen. I was like, oh my God, I've just gone twenty years back in a time machine. But it worked absolutely, it absolutely worked. Yep. Um, in terms of the matches themselves, I mean, across the board, it had a bit of something for everyone. I mean, in terms of the the lighter comedy matches, uh, some of the more more notable events. I mean, there was a we mentioned earlier on, but Darius Lockhart was up against Josh Bodum. Um, Bodum was at his like he called it the bro pit. Oh, it was great. It is the brand pit. There was a point when he just stared, like he just screamed at Lockhart, "I've been to Japan, motherfucker!" <laughs> just like it, just at him during that, which was which was hysterical. Um, they the women's title, um, they put the belt on Zoe Lucas, which was uh, it was a good match. It started it kind of 
we got better towards the end. A lot of it was was Lucas on on off off well, edge for, sort of for a the beginning. They were equals as well. well, and then the ending was a controversial finish where but, she was grabbing the tights as well. But they had a really great sequence opening it up where they just locked up and didn't let go and went out through the ring around the ring. You don't often see it. You see it very rarely, but occasionally, and then came back through, um, uh, back into the ring as well without breaking the hold. And it was. It was really good. There's a lot of, um, like, clearly Zoe Lucas being set up, uh, when she is really now turning heel at this point. She seemed to be kind of in disdain of the fans. Uh, well, there was a sort of buying into that a little yeah. bit. I don't think they went full on with that. I think that's to come later. She got a really, going she got and a she really held the, good reception. And she held the tights it. for the win. She did. Yeah. There was a, she got a really good reception. Yes, yeah, she did. It. Yeah. And people like her there because, you know, she's been there every month selling merch for, yeah. for the last, since they've been going there, if anything. So it was nice to see her. It's a nice moment for her and kind of the regular fans that go along to those shows, if anything. Yeah. Had, um, and this is going to remind you of Tag League, Benno. Mm. There was just a couple of absolutely storming ta- tag matches. Um, with CCK versus uh, Team White Wolf. That was awesome. Yeah. They had real sort of, I'd say it was like pure chemistry. Like, it's about a 20-minute match, mm. and it was yep. just a kind of a joy to watch at times. Gresham was absolutely awesome at points of this match. I said it yeah. before, that when they've got access to these teams, this is, Red Pro can hang the hat on this, have a differentiate yeah. themselves by having this really strong tag division, because, yeah, you've got combos like that you can pull together to kill in it. Definitely didn't surprise me when I saw other reports coming out saying that this match was absolutely incredible because, of course, it was given the uh, the people in the ring. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and every time White Wolf are getting better. I know that it's come out today that Romo's moving over to Wolverhampton. Why not? Everyone else is. <laughs> um, so that so he's going to be over here a lot more and training a lot more. But I mean, I, I hope he gets eleven sports. Yeah, oh, yeah. Keep so up he can, with La Liga. So he can watch La Liga. Um, I mean, and there was obviously another uh, great tag match with uh, Ring Camp and Aussie Open. That felt, felt like a fight as well. It was yeah. quite a different Aussie Open match. Here's a point I'm going to make. Carl Fletcher this weekend and on the Progress show, £215. Deontay Wilder weighed 212. There's no way <laughs> that Deontay Wilder weighs less than Carl Fletcher. Hey, Carl no. Fletcher got disqualified from the uh, the new Will, the Will Ospreay promotion front line from their... 205 and under tournament for being shoot over 205. I love that they're trying to commit to shoot weights. I can buy it. I, maybe I'd say in that though, that, that would that would expect a wrestler to undersell their weight, which which feels wrong as well. Um, maybe there is a white line there somewhere. Yeah, I I look at Deontay Wilder this weekend. Look at Carl Fletcher this weekend. No way, absolutely <laughs> no way am I buying that. But the match itself, I've got to say, I've really enjoyed it because it felt like a fight. Mm. Like they weren't doing sort of like big spots during the mm. match. They were kind of brawling a lot of the time, if anything. And uh, Aussie Open getting the win as well, and the pin forward Walter, big fidget spinner on Walter, which was great. I think I, t- I was like, "There's no way they're getting him up for a fidget spinner." And then they got him up for the fidget spinner. Yeah, Christ above. You got to assume that's Walter's goodbye. Yeah, so that's what it felt like, and then they were gone out of the ring pretty much straight away. Yeah, the Walter Rev Pro runs been a really strange one, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Yeah, it's not quite. It's not been bad, has it? But it just hasn't hit when you. At the start of this year, if you said to me, expectations were. Yeah, if you yeah. said Walton and Rev Pro, then this wasn't really the run that I was hoping for. 
No, the Bowden match he had, his first match he had, was probably his best match he had in Rev Pro. And it was a great bang mm. to get him over as well. But it almost feels like they weren't properly able to commit to him because his situation was so up in the air mm. throughout that period, yeah. if anything. Which is a real shame. But, you know, we've got plenty of great Walter this mm. year and other promotions. So, you know, it's not as if Walter's been <laughs> bad, let's just say. Um, other thing to say about this one as well. We got a really, well, me and JP had a bit of a disagreement on this. I really enjoyed Ridgeway versus the Great O'Card. Mm. And you can tell that Quilden is really trying his hardest to get Ridgeway over and to try and make Ridgeway. But at the same time, there's stuff going on with Great O'Card where people are getting pissed off because he's winning every month and he's going over guys that people really like every month. But this was the best great Okan match that I've seen. The best Okan match he's had there so far. And there was a different side to Ridgeway's character in this one as well. So Ridgeway was Ridgeway always wrestles an aggressive style. But he was kind of turning the aggression up. There was a pace to it. It was there was a big man, little man dynamic that was really working. He got some great sort of hope spots and near falls on Okan as well that people were going mad for. He lost at the end. JP wasn't happy. Yeah, that was the point. But why weren't you happy? Well, because he didn't win. <laughs> exactly, which is yeah. the, which is the which is the, which is the ultimately this is the point. Yeah. But for me, Ridgeway actually got over more with the cockpit crowd in this match as a result of losing this match, and it felt like they were setting something up for Ridgeway to come back and face Akan again and eventually topple him. I really hope I'm right. Well, I why would you do? I mean, we talked this last week. Why would you do that if you literally just put Ridgeway over Osprey? I still don't get it. I'm, I'm not sure there is that thought though. I've been thinking back on that. I'm, I'm wondering if that Ridgeway Osprey decision was just based on the fly because of the injury, mm. and that's what they just felt they had to do at that moment in time, mm. and that it wasn't part of a plan. That's just me thinking I, out I, loud on that. I don't know. It is a strange one. I suppose yeah, it's it so ex- odd. It's such an outlier, isn't it, of a result? Mm. But then you got to remember, Great O'Connor is undefeated in Rev Pro as yeah. well. So in a way, like he's not obviously, but in kayfabe terms. Is the great O'Khan kind of on the level of a Will Ospreay in kayfabe terms? I, I know it's, you know, yeah, it's yeah, all I don't a know about that, Joe. To some extent. Yeah, I know, I know. But at the same time, this worked. Mm. And I thought this got Ridgeway over more. He got great ovation when he left. Mm. And I don't know. I think there's definitely something there. And having Ridgeway lose the great O'Khan pissed people off. But at the same time, it's- they sympathise with Ridgeway. It's that line that WWE walked, though, isn't it? It's kind of like the Daniel Bryan got over because people were cheering for him against the booking. Becky Lynch got over because people were cheering for her against the booking. I'm not sure if exactly. that's something you want to take, though. I'm not sure if that's something you want. Do you want to make the book, the New Japan booking the heel? No, I, I get what you're saying, but I think it is. I think it is at this point to a lot of fans. And I'm not convinced. So when you think about people on excursions, mm. right... If you were going on excursions, I don't win every match. I remember seeing um, Evil when he was on his excursion when I was in America, and I'm pretty sure he lost to Mark Briscoe on the Ring of Honor show I went to. I'm not convinced that New Japan is saying, no, they must win on their excursion. I think that he's just doing an undefeated gimmick with Great Okan. I think that's what's going on here. But because of what goes on with the New Japan booking, I think people are assuming that, oh, it's New Japan making these decisions. I'm not convinced it is, if I'm honest with you. Sho and Yo, when they were on their excursions, were they winning every match when they were over in Mexico? No. I don't think they were. 
So I think people are just assuming this because of the relationship with New Japan and what's gone on before, what goes on, say, your call with like Tai Chi going over Brooks and the New Japan guys regularly going over. And I think that Okan is definitely quite a, well, let's put it this way. It's not an easy gimmick, is it, to get into? It's, causing, no. it's quite divisive. I don't mind it. If I'm That's where honest. I am at now with it. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Benno? Uh, I skip as matches every time, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I can completely see why I'm you t- would do that. I kind of enjoy yeah, him as a TV not. act. But I, I don't know. I, I would. My conspiracy theory would be that New Japan won him want him strong because they want to do a similar thing with him and have him run through people on that when he gets there and they have rev pro slotted in a certain way maybe different than they might slot you know their relationships in mexico and america and yeah maybe yeah that they don't see a problem with having him going through all the, the rev pro guys i'm not convinced if it turns out to be a great story and at high stakes we get a big blow off and ridgeway goes over him uh, i'm happy to stand corrected but no I, i'm not sure i share your faith there john I'm like like you were saying. I'm not 100% convinced, but there was something there. There was a chemistry, and it was a style of match I've not seen Ridgeway work before, where he was chopping mm. down a big man, and it really like kind of worked Ridgeway's style mm. and really helped Ridgeway's character. And uh, you know, we need someone like a Ridgeway to get over to that extent yeah. at this point in time. And there are a number of different ways to get him over. Mm. And I don't think he always he always 100% gets over with his work rate. Mm. So book him as an underdog, maybe. And it was a different approach. I don't know. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And then the one match we haven't mentioned, mm. which was it was basically half an hour, wasn't it? For yeah. the uh, for the um, El Fantasmo David Star match, mm. which I have to admit, I was convinced Star was losing here going in. I thought, why are they announcing this so late? Is there something going on with David Starr? We don't know. Are they moving up to heavyweight? I kind of had this written off as a foregone conclusion. That was, I think that really added to the match. There was the sense mm. of mystery. Now, I, like other people, I was kind of keeping an eye. There was a train that we, we originally were going to get, but we ended up having to get a later train because this this was going on. It was like, okay, I don't want to go, mm. but I was like keeping an eye on it on it happening. And it was it was a real slow burner. It, it, it took its time. There was a um, star come out at the beginning where he said as part of the conditions, he didn't want Chris Roberts to referee his match because he'd only just found out himself playing into the kind of conspiracy um, storyline that he's been doing throughout. And then um, he was, uh, when he was up against um, a, a phantasma, there was a point there was like a, a knockout on the referee. I can't remember his name. That was Tom, wasn't it? Yeah. That was his yeah, name. yeah. Um, and then Roberts came out. There was points where he was trying to get himself deliberately counted out or disqualified, and Roberts refused to do it. He's like, you're going to defend your title. You're going to defend your title. And he pulled the title off Star. Go with me on this one, Benno. He pulled this title off Star. He was like in the corner. Mm. Star spat at him in the face. Roberts lost it. Star ducked. Tell me where you've heard this before. Hits Fantasmo. <laughs> Fantasmo's out. Star covers him, staring at Roberts. Roberts has to count the pin. Wow. With spit with spit on him as well. Wow. I feel I feel and, like deja vu from twenty one years ago here, JP. Oh. I worked though. It oh, was really abs- good. I you'll you'll see it so, bit on the VOD. Who's just Sean, standing who's up Brett, so Chris uh, so Chris Roberts is Undertaker. No, Brett. 
Sean Michaels. He's Sean. He's Sean. He, he, yeah, taking the shot, isn't he? That's right, yeah. And El, El Fantasmo, therefore, is Undertaker. Yeah. Nice. Which is works out works out for all of them. But they did it. It worked it worked perfectly. Quilden's the American fans, and we're <laughs> the Canadians, I suppose. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm all right with that. Uh, Chris Roberts as Shawn Michaels. Hey, we just we just talked about NWO NWO sold out, so we're getting a lot of 1997 on this show. I don't mind. That's one of my favourite. Oh, and everyone's and everyone's getting a contract. Year. It's the Monday Night Wars again. <laughs> it's a great year, mate. Look at music in '97. Fantastic year. Look at films. Yeah, in we won the double. '97, '98. I'm not no complaints with that at all. I'm sure EastEnders had a great year in '97 as well. It's the one year where I'll maintain WCW was good, WWF was good, and ECW was good. 1997. That's the one. Although some would disagree with me on the ECW. Uh, I, I, was, I, was, I was a teenager. I loved all that shit. New Jack coming out to Natural Born Killers. I was away with the fairies with that stuff. <laughs> but 1997 came back this weekend. And it was oh, a joy to did. have 1997 back in many ways, wasn't it? There you go. Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought the main event maybe went slightly too long. Mm. But thing, it was still a very good match. I still think there's some, something missing with Phantasmo. He's not fully there yet. I don't know what it is. I can't fully invest in him. He's I want to see a Phantasmo heel run. Uh, maybe, maybe. He's he's very good. Just somewhere. He's, see him testing it out. Yeah, he's very good. I think Star's at the top of his game. I think Star's one of the yeah. best guys out there at the moment. Uh, yeah. A great performance from him. Um, but there's just something about Phantasmo I can't fully buy into at the moment. I think he's very good. I think he's almost there, but not quite there. Mm. Um, one thing I'll say about the show as well is there's a lot of drama on the show, but really good drama, really mm. well-built drama. So drama in the comedy match with um, Rishi Ghosh and oh, Gideon yeah, yeah. Gray, which if you're a cockpit regular, that stuff's always really good fun every month. But then the Zoe Lucas and the Jamie Hayter match, there's a lot of drama there as well. There was drama in the Brooks Gresham and... Um, a White Wolf match, and then there was fantastic drama at the end of the main event. So in terms of storylines on these cockpit shows, they continue to be really, really good. Like They are my favourite shows to go to. Some of my favourite shows from this year have been these cockpit shows. It's just translating this onto, mm. onto the York. We need, we need to get you down here for one, Ben. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm speaking to, what, two season ticket holders now for the cockpit? Is, is that oh, a no, just today? the one. Just no, the... Just, just, just Joe. Just Joe. Uh, I mean, yeah, that it is a trip I want to make. It's a, it's an easy journey on the train. Um, the shows never feel huge, but then again, they've got Zack Sabre Jr. and and, and Pac coming up, so maybe I should stop making my excuses and and make a trip down. But yeah, I, I do kind of yeah some of that story development. It would be nice to maybe get a little bit more of that on the York Hall shows. But it does sound like after some complaints I, I kind of heard middle of the year on the cockpit shows that like they are pacing. A lot of importance on them these uh, these last few months and and going into 2019. Even when they don't feel overly important, the wrestling on these shows is always really good. Mm-hmm. Like there's always something to take from them. Um, I rarely find anything to complain about on the on the cockpit shows. Like there are occasional niggles. Mm-hmm. It, ultimately, it's the stuff transitioning into um, the York Hall shows. Fair but enough. I think in terms of value for money, in terms of what 15 quid. For what we got yesterday, what an absolute bargain that yeah, was. Definitely. I'm not complaining about that one bit. 
That's it. I spent 20 on TNT, so you win there. Um, <laughs> although TNT are... These are London prizes as well. That's a little... <laughs> TNT are booking pack next year. That was another one of their big announcements, but I'm not sure they can really compare with PAX, ZSJ, and PAX Osprey at high stakes, which is, uh, is one which of... Which is sold Sold out tonight at the time of recording. Yeah, I spent twenty. I spent twenty five pound on my ticket. Twenty five pound well spent. I probably would have spent spent more, and they probably could have charged more because yeah, I think it was the, the they've said, isn't it, the quickest your call sellout of all time for RevPro. Yep. I didn't even get my usual tickets at your call. I had to get set off a set off a crap tickets, but I'll take it. It's yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Definitely, it is. It's 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 got like it's it's got such an event feel to it. Mm. Um. I, I just pray no one else tries to run this in the meantime. I can't see why they would do it, but this should be something that should exist in a place like a York Hall. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Proper venue. Absolutely. Shall we uh, keep with tradition and, uh, and close with some progress? Yeah, yeah go on. Talking of which, um, I've just received a message from someone telling me about an interview Osprey did where he said uh, he's pretty much done with progress and isn't interested anymore in performing for him. So wow. it tells you where Will Ospreay's uh, loyalties lie in many ways, doesn't it? He's been on a the right vocal yeah, <laughs> on Twitter about progress. Um, yeah, that, that does not surprise me really. He's been very vocal about who am I allowed to work now? Um, so yeah, that, that kind of slots in. Um, but yeah, we didn't um, leave it mm. to the last, particularly to slight it. It's just it's a, it's a little bit older than the other shows. We kind of went over the results on our last show, so there's no yep. uh, no real surprises there for for anyone who listened out last time. But I did think Progress of Chapter Seventy Nine. Correct me if you disagree, but I thought it was another strong show. Um, it was missing Walter. It was missing maybe a big headline match. Although I appreciated that they therefore kind of gave the slot to getting David Starr over in a match with, you know, the returning Travis Banks, a, a really strong match. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Devil and Andrews. I even enjoyed some of the comedy on the show. Um, overall, I thought it was a another strong and somewhat fresh show from Progress. Yeah, I would generally, I'll generally agree with that. I don't think it was as good as the Manchester show. Mm. No, but, no. but that's fair. It, it did feel like a step in the right direction in terms of the content mm. um, for the, for the part of, and these are kind of following on from what we were saying in the, in the last show in terms of the freshness mm. that it did feel that it was, it was a lot more different. I liked the idea. Like one of the, my big complaints about progress for this year has been like, and too many title matches. It's just sort of, mm. you know, throwing out title shots willy nilly. I like the fact that that was, that show was being headlined by something that wasn't the progress title. And I, I, like say, it put David Starr in there against Travis Banks, two of my favourite wrestlers in the world, yeah. and you give him a main a main event slot. I'm never not going to be all right with that. Yeah, I thought the I thought the Manchester show was the best show they've probably done this year, mm. along with the Manchester show in February this year. Um, I thought this was an absolutely solid show. Um, there were little bits that I skipped of it. I wasn't. I didn't want to have anything to do with that mean girl shite that came on second. Um, but the Devlin Andrews opener was excellent. Yes. Devlin was amazing in that match. One of the better Andrews matches I've seen this year. And I really enjoyed the main event. The pace of the main event was electric. I love it. It wants to go about 12 minutes, something like that. It just didn't yeah. let up. It just felt like a different style of main event um, that we're kind of used to seeing. Took me by surprise. I thought it was really good fun. A couple of cardio kings, though, aren't they? Star, oh, yeah. Star and Banks. Oh, they yeah. did go all day. It was just kind um, of like just constant kind of counters <coughs> and, and hard hits, wasn't it? It was one of those kind of matches where, like, 
it it was more about like the in, it, there wasn't like there was a slow plot and story to it. It was it wasn't fully a shootout, but it it, mm-hmm. it did it felt like a like a I don't know it felt like a main event, but it felt like a very kind of modern kind of match. It just it, I think intense is mm. probably the word I'd give to it. I think that's what for me it was a match where you might have said ah should that really be main event and Travis Banks had that weird progress title run. I kind of do like that they brought them back and slotted them back in into a main event position but i could see people being down on it but i do think something about the the intensity with with which they worked it and again how hard the hits were and and just how kind of dynamic the match was they made it work and it it did by the end of it feel like a proper main event and i don't think anyone could say they were shortchanged yeah absolutely and they made banks look strong and like an ass kicker mm. after they look like oh yes an absolute geek mm. against one last year so it was good to see that side of him and it, this was the best of travis banks i think and continuation um, of a story as well from manchester you know flowing through in th- you know yeah simple yeah, thing yeah. but you know what i mean it, it kind of it felt like it meant something it felt like david Starr had a point to prove against travis banks yeah and are we gonna yeah. get banks Ilya next as well following mm. on from this yeah Smart I, I think... simple stuff isn't it sometimes it works god yeah yeah it was like it's a feud built around wrestling. Mm. Could end with a triple threat for the title shot. I don't, don't want to hear that kind of bollocks. <laughs> like seriously, no triple threat. You you can have them interact without them having to do a triple threat. Did you, either of you notice, by the way? And this may sound like a really peripheral point. It seemed like there was a lot less seats for this. There was a lot more space around the ring, which I actually think is a good thing. I'm just going to throw that out there as I well. I didn't notice. I said, do you think they didn't sell out? They had less seats. Out. I don't know if they configured it differently. Mm. I think there's a way, like, in some parts of it, it still looked a bit, like, packed behind the bar and in the corner where we would normally have gone to in the mm. ballroom. There seemed to be a bit more space, which seemed a bit safer. Mm. So I was kind of generally... Oh, that's a nice point, JP. Yeah. I'm generally <laughs> all right with that, you know. <laughs> Worrying about the safety of the fans. Oh. Uh, what uh, the... I mean, I'm, I'm desperate to know, JP, what you made of the new blood angle. Um, right. We made some fun of that on our last show. Um, for an execution, uh, what I did you make it. of Drew Parker and the lads? I loved it. Mm. Me too. I, 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 I really did. There was, and I don't know whether or not, like taking the bits the bits from it, the way it kind of was set up mm. with with Trevay, first of all, like, that bit felt kind of quite underwhelming. Mm. When Eva Eva and Mambo came out. There was something about Eva that he really looked the part as this kind of enforcer of a of a heel stable, and delivering his clothesline and the power bomb. I don't know what it was. He, he like it was the, immediately. I was intrigued by William Eva having not given a shit for the guts of like two years. Mm. Um, I was really I was you know the dynamic. I think was interesting. Um, the fact that they're all very different kinds of characters with this kind, although, and this is where it's where it goes next is mm. the bits that I kind of worry about because I don't want to see him drawn up in a feud against Jimmy Havoc. They should be annihilating him and going, your time is done. It's our time now. I'm just going to disregard you and kind of ignore them. And I, and, and almost take over the group. It sounds like I'm alluding to things like Nexus, um, <laughs> But I think instead it's... we're getting New Blood Millionaire Club. Aren't we? I think we're very much getting a multi-man with Havoc, well, Haskins, Eddie Dennis going against them. That's 
that's the thing is is if it goes down that direction then this is just your standard heel random heel stable generator mm. that you've got together for this group if they were allowed to be killers feeling legitimately like they've been completely passed by i could see them doing lots of work shoot stuff about wwe contracts mm. all of that kind of jazz being being put into the mix as well um just, it's just how it's just how they play it out mm. and i think long, i don't have faith it's going to go down the route that i think it should do i think long term's kind of my consideration as well it's yeah. like i i thought the angle was was brilliant and i thought the beat down later on was very well done as well yeah. but it's kind of i mean i i'm not gonna say i like all these characters because i don't like all these characters but i wonder how the characters fit long to i mean does William Eva kind of mesh well with a Spike Trevay? Should they be in the same stable? Can you long-term keep this up as something... You can only play up as the Projo stable, though. Well, what the, the Knuckle Lock stable. Will it remain the... effective, though, doing that? One of the things yeah. I sort of... Is Drew Parker from the Projo? Well, yeah, that's is, it. Yeah. No, no, he is. He's Dragon Pro, wouldn't he? Be? So mm. One of the things I took from it was... I would have thrown sex with him because mm. maybe that's yeah. a surprise down the line because that that would be a big impact, wouldn't it, if that happens? Yeah, you think about think sex he'd love it as well. Trajectory and progress, and you know they they really got him over, and he, he channeled a character that really engaged a section of the audience and brought a different element to the audience as well. Oh no, what if he turns? But on at it? the same time that has a ceiling mm. and Jack Sexman's character kind of reached its ceiling with that. And is there some, is there a route he can go down where he, to, he maybe uses the Manchester match against Travis Banks and the way that was put together. Mm. And he uses some kind of, I don't know, gen, a little inside, a little bits, little tidbits to channel his heel turn. Potentially. I thought that he would have been really effective in this stable. Um, yeah, for me, Eva, I get what you're saying, JP. He wasn't bad in the moment. I just wonder what he really offers, like, long-term, like we're saying. Worked at the moment. Mm, I, yeah. I did think it was good. I did think it was very good as an angle. It's just, yeah, maybe the selection of talent um, is a little bit jarring to some extent. A surfer and a Tory. Uh, I suppose, keep, keep him as Batista. I suppose at Devon, least he's a hardcore Tory. Lots of Tories down there, aren't there? Lots of... <laughs> Brexiteers as well, and still want their EU money, don't they? But um, <laughs> so maybe the surfer and the Tory does work. I don't know. Well, I, the thing is, I saw Mambo obviously turn heel in Attack, and I loved it there when he did that because that was like a really sort of pleasant surprise. And there was a lot of similarities with this group and the the main heel faction in Attack of um, Nothing to Prove, mm-hmm. um, which has got Elijah and LK Messenger and Eddie Dennis in there as well. It, it's it's one I won't lie. I'm intrigued by, mm. but very easily by this time next weekend, we could end up. I could end up ranting to you two about like what the fuck kind of storyline I've been doing in Ma- in um, Manchester and Sheffield. Is it Manchester and Sheffield next weekend? Isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, you're, it looks like you're have Jimmy Abbott back on that Manchester show, and Great. him not being on the last Manchester show was a breath of fresh air. Mm. Um, him not having a match on this show was a breath of fresh air, but. I'm sure he's going to be all over progress for the next little while. So I'd, I'd, take, got to come. I'd take him out, like get him injured, 
Progress are obviously in bed with NXT UK. He can do a War Games match, and he can be the guy who makes his comeback on that show. And you know, bring some, bring some plunder, bring some weapons. But I don't want to see him between now and then. That would that would be my ideal for Jimmy Havoc, and yeah, you, know, you could book him with that story because maybe that is where it's going to go. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm with you guys. I think I, I enjoy the angle in the moment. Skeptical on how it goes, but I do like Drew Parker. I don't mind Chuck Mambo, especially in a heel run. I do like Spike Trevay, so I'm willing to give them give them the chance but yeah i thought that was a strong part of the show but yeah again i think the the in-ring was a big positive for me on this show again you know you mentioned joe the the less said about the match number two Ginny and laura di matteo stuff i don't understand them rushing out to the ring and essentially you know almost they're, they're obviously the heels but they won cleanly they're the dominant heels Charlie Morgan and what's her name couldn't look more ridiculous and more like putzers, uh, considering the way they left the stable and now the fact that they they also then lost to the two remaining members of the stable. I'm done with that stuff. I thought Jordan Grace looked good in a singles match. Yeah, with Dawn. yeah, that's some focus that you can put in in the women's division. I'd do the same thing. I'd build around her too. Uh, but all in all, I just thought it was a really strong show from a from a match to match point point of view. Like you say, Devil and Andrews was really good. Fresh match for Andrews. No problem with him losing. Um and Trent Seven and Kyle Fletcher, you know, the two oh five stuff is odd, but I thought they had a, a really strong match as well. Probably my favourite match of uh, of Trent's run. Oh they did. Yeah, I, I did really enjoy it. I think one thing that took me out and this is a relatively minor complaint, the wooing during the figure four got on my nerves <laughs> found myself like i don't know why. i mean you probably can't go to any wrestling show no it's just like it's just get to fuck <laughs> honestly like it's yeah we found jp's button it wasn't moose chance yeah yeah but that, what, what did you guys think of anti-fun place and team tremendous as didn't I, oh, didn't you? I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, I, I, I'm, really good. I probably wouldn't yeah, say to you, Joe, go out and watch it because I don't think it'd be your kind of thing. <laughs> and I don't really know what the anti-fun <laughs> police are in progress, kind of right now as as baby faces. But I thought mm. the dives, all the gun stuff, some of the crazy, you know, offense that weird doomsday moonsault thing that um, the team tremendous do. There was some, there was some good stuff from there. I could have done without the occasional michael cole style laughing from the commentators but all in all oh, i've got a point to make in a second about that sorry <laughs> i've got all a point in to all, make i thought it was a lot of fun i thought it was a good match and it was really i mean what else were you going to do with those two teams and what else yeah. are you going to do once you book team tremendous hey look i mean it's one of the things about booking a car to its strengths and you need that kind of a mm. of, of a match in there and it was it it, it was perfect for that mm. Um, I did want to mention, actually, going back to the women's tag match, probably not very popular, but you mentioned about the commentary very quickly. just wanted to say, apparently it's been brewing for months. That's <laughs> and I thought two, to be exact. Could, so could, months, plural. Could yes, we have a ten. promo with Ginny and Laura DiMatteo? I'm not missing anything. I mean, there's not been one on the YouTube. Can we just explain no. why they're back together? Or do you care? Actually, you know what? I don't care. Fuck don't it. Don't Couldn't give a shit. I'll be honest with you. It's... 15 minutes in a show that I can skip and I can get 15 that, minutes of my life back. So that finish. That. that finish, though. Of, yeah, fucking hell. Get rid. No. One of the things I find hilarious about this stuff, the Ginny division, mm. and you think about Ginny, right? So that, when I was at Rev Pro yesterday, I was thinking, the women's match, all of the drama in that match was created in the ring. The storyline between Zoe Lucas and Jamie Hayter that's been created over a couple of shows, and they advanced the drama and the storyline in the ring yesterday. And there's like subtle heel turn stuff with Zoe Lucas. Ginny 
in progress. All of the drama is created from shenanigans and bullshit. None of it is ever created from the wrestling and the way that the match is booked. Mm. It's utter bollocks that's going on around the match based around ridiculous relationships, awful character mm. development, and frankly, shite matches that then creates the drama. Yeah. It's never the wrestling that advances the feuds here. It's just some of the... Yeah. W- this. You know what? In terms of worst feud of the year in British wrestling, this. Yeah. I, I'd be happily... Go- and then you compare it again. You got you guys mentioned it earlier on with, jo- with the Jordan Grace, Isla Dawn match, that's which by no means was, was perfect. Yeah, but that's fine. exactly the kind of stuff they should be doing. Mm. And I, I thought they should have been, you know, when they did Lana Austin and um, Isla Dawn in, in Manchester, it was, again, wasn't perfect. But you know what? It was a match being told in the ring. Yeah. I'm, I want to make a point about commentary. So, Jay, you made a point about Michael Cole's commentary, right? Yeah. Man, I don't know if Glenn Joseph has just been spending a lot of time with Michael Cole, um, but... Some of the commentary, the product, <laughs> the Kiwi buzzsaw. Oh, he's got the product. Like, Michael Cole's commentary. For years, me and my brother have always noted how Michael Cole would be like, the viper slivering, and just throw out, like, these crap nicknames they like to trademark for the wrestlers, right? Glenn Joseph constantly does it, and it is so unbelievably annoying. The Aussie Arrow? When we talk about David Starr, you're like, oh, the product, mate. No, (laughs) I talk about David Starr, not the product, Right, when I talk about Carl Fletcher, oh, the old Aussie Arrow, no, I don't say that. Oh, the ring, are you looking for seeing the ring general face um, the Aussie Arrow? Fuck off, right? It's just, I get what they do it because they can brand it and they can mark it. When you say it, it sounds utterly ridiculous. The product, fuck off, Glenn, fuck off. Like, yeah, sorry. I just needed to get that out. Nope, fair enough. I mean, I was kind of glad that the the commentary, I don't know if it was my speaker set up, but it felt quite low, and I just managed to ignore it, to be honest, because, yeah, I just tuned that guy out at this point. Uh, but, yeah, there's definitely uh, something to the uh, the WWE training there. I think there's a... Yeah, there's a although, Joe, are you, really, are you wishing for Callum Leslie to come back? Um, I don't know. Uh, I... He was a good commentator. I don't know yeah, about true. I don't know how much I like him as a bloke, and but, you know. He wouldn't have banned you from the Progress Facebook group, so there's always that. Do you not reckon? He's still an admin on there. Oh, is he? Maybe he did it. Maybe it's revenge. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> what did I ever do? <laughs> You've done lots of stuff to lots of people, mate, that you don't remember. There is that. Um, I like Jeff Jarrett on, a, on the booze or something. <laughs> no, sorry. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, any closer? Are you going by the way to the show at the week? Sorry, are you going to the the show at the weekend, Benno? I am. I'm going to Manchester. Um, I'm into it. I think uh, LAX being there, if they if they do get to do the show, uh, <laughs> but I think mm-hmm. I think they will. They're not against their next UK contracted guys. Them and CCK is happening in Manchester. That's enough to to get me excited, really. Um, but yeah, after the last one being so good. The atmosphere being good, and yeah, although there's definitely criticism to be had from this show, I thought this was a another solid show. Uh, if anything, maybe it's dirty to say it, but given the 
everything going on right now progress is quite interesting to watch and it's interesting to see yeah who they put their focus on and if they do continue to you know try and freshen things up as they they had these uh these last couple of shows so yeah being honest i'm looking forward to it i'm not also there's a sheffield show on sunday i don't think i'll be traveling for that one as well but yeah i'll definitely be going to manchester and maybe one day i'll return to the ballroom and I think by the end of this weekend, we'll have a much better idea of what's going on again mm. as well in terms of what the restrictions are and what they do storyline-wise and who appears and who doesn't and if there's any weird farewells, even if they're probably going to be wrestling at a venue that's left in a 15-minute walk away. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that type of stuff. This this weekend's going to be very interesting. Yeah, where do the title belts end up? That type of thing. Um, like yeah. The, all three of the singles belts are, are on NXT UK contracted talent. So, if the rumors mm-hmm. are true about uh, not being able to show those guys on VOD, even for progress, uh, maybe we'll see. You know, a clue as to whether that is the case this weekend, uh, or whether the fact that they're going to end up on the network means they're going to be all right anyway. Anything else before we go? We've uh, this was going to be a short one, guys. Remember when we said it was going to be really an hour and a half? <laughs> We're incapable of doing short. Yeah, we can't. For anyone who doesn't like long podcasts, I'm sorry. I think none of the three of us aren't genetically predisposed to do short I feel podcasts. Like, I'm like the Michael Chimino of podcasts. That's a really <laughs> obscure reference. I doubt anyone other than JP who sat next to me is going to get. Ah, oh, there'll be some who get it. There's a lot yeah. of fill, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can send your complaints to me and JP on Twitter. Joe, you can hide from yeah. the but yeah. Send them to JPJP on Twitter, Twitter at Benson Richard e on Twitter for me, and uh, we'll we'll take your your complaints on board. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> do all, all of that definitely. Uh, follow the Indie Corner on Twitter at the Indie Corner, uh, theindiecorner.com. This week uh, we've got a, an alternative review on ICW Hydro from friend of the show Dylan Shaw. Uh, Luke Hickey's done the an article on the legacy of Hayabusa. There's the GPW Crazy Cruiser 8 review from our good friend Andrew Ogden talking about hashtag Pygate. Uh, that's a really fun read. Uh, and also our good friend Gareth Hodgson has done a, a bit of a, a, a dis- explainer of what that uh, that grapple app is that we uh, we talk about so often on here. And you can see my uh, ratings for that progress show we just talked about on there as well. Uh, I didn't quite go quite as, as high as four stars for anything, but upper threes for a few things on that progress show. Definitely check that out. One last thing, the moron at the ballroom who had a Obama esque two thousand eight Hope shirt <laughs> higher on can get to fuck <laughs> the last Manchester show. I thought to you, Joe, because as I went in, literally someone had organised on the fan group to hand out signs that said higher on, and then they all held them up when Jim did it at the open to the show. Well, he's there, mate. <laughs> That's it. That's the lesson to learn from this week. Um, and that's a good place to, to go out on. Uh, Jim Smallman's your mate, um, but we're not. <laughs> that's it. So's Dean Gaffney. <laughs> Indeed. I'm that well odd. 15 years ago. <laughs> right, that's it for us for another show. We'll be back very soon. Bye. We'll have a cup of tea if that's alright, mate. I like tea, bro. Yeah, tea would be good, mate. Go for it. <laughs> I like if you've still got your hat on.
JP's purchased a new flat cap. <laughs> Imagine like a. Don't say Peaky Blinders. <laughs> yeah, Peaky don't, Blinders. Don't, don't uh, like Peaky Style flat cap. Um, yeah, for the you seem like that kind of character, JP. I think I could get away. I, I think I'm just finally embracing the Londoner in me. I at could age see you 40. into the Dundee Arms 40 years ago with that on and everyone bit. Well, especially because I'm wearing the norm. What looks like a bit of a geezer hat, a geezer jacket. Well, not geezer jacket. Well, that's just quite a nice jacket. Yeah. I'm, not... I'm enjoying the the new image. Yeah. The new you. Making a go for it. Wore a shirt the other day and everything. Is this a since you've turned 40 thing, JP? It is basically. I keep yeah. talking about how he's had a queer eyeing. He's <laughs> <laughs> properly queer eyes. Oh, it's the missus. <laughs> to a degree, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow, those boxers. But I'm completely. Um, uh, she had nothing to do with the boxers. I thought she made you go to buy some new boxers. No, we, that was when we were in Turkey and bought the hooky ones. Oh, along I with all those football that. shirts. I saw the You bought what? Bought hooky pants. <laughs> <laughs> Turkish pants. Yeah, I don't wear the Antalya Sport one as much. Can't find it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they were like, I bought like a load of them. It worked out to be like thirty quid. <laughs> and I'm sure they thought, oh, saw him coming. It's like, no, mate, I did. I was the winner in this deal. 